Michael Clark. That's me. Good to have you on. Welcome to uh, to season five of Tots Podcast. Been wanting to have you on for a little while, but you know you kept rejecting me. That is so. That is not necessarily the the whole truth. But no, I'm excited to be here. Me too. So yeah, welcome. Um, I've known you for a while. You used to teach at um, a school that I went to. Then you abandoned me. Um, <laughs> you're good friends with my brothers. Yes. And you you do mortgages and stuff. That's what they say. Yeah, that's what the they TikTok do say that say. about you. Yeah, that's what they would say. Yeah. Recently, mortgages. TikTok famous and and now have a podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I guess some of that again is not the whole truth, but yes, exactly right. Mortgages, <laughs> podcasts, TikTok. It's all. It's all there. Um, I need to get better at golf, and I feel like you're the person that I should probably talk to about wow. that. High compliment. I mean, <clears throat> my favorite thing to do, without question. I uh, I thought about uh, I thought about ditching you tonight to play because it was such good weather. But oh wow! But then it rained, so I you know I figured, it did rain. I figured that's why we're wet. Is because correct? It, it rained. It's yeah. not that it's it's not that it's a hundred degrees. No, not at all. No, yeah, golf. It's great. I mean, it's a life sport. I'd love to. I'd love to play. You can do that anytime you want. Set it up. Okay. Cool. You're gonna take me to like the nice place or like anywhere cheap, you'd like to cheap. go. I'm a cheap date, so. Well, listen. I mean, it makes somebody in my life that's a cheap date. I mean, I've got plenty of <laughs> plenty of people in my life that are not cheap. So. There you go. Um, how's work? Because you're you're kind of a baller, uh, like like self not self proclaimed baller. I shouldn't say that. You're you're like a friend proclaimed baller. It works great. I mean, listen. I think. Uh, I think life is all about being at the right place at the right time, at least mine. I think I could think of so many instances in my life, probably three or four, where timing just worked out. And I think at the time when you when you when it was working out, you didn't think it was. But then mm. obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and you figure out that that was a time. And I can pinpoint this new role for me, you know almost two and a half years ago at this point now, crazy to think um, that I, I thought to myself, no way would I ever be in, in the real estate business or industry in the mortgage world. And I don't know that I'd ever see myself outside of the industry unless probably asked to leave. I, I, I say that to a lot of people. I love what I do. I love who I do it with. And I love the company I get to do it for. Um, so yeah, work is is awesome. I, and that changed really fast for you too. Totally. It was like a, <clears throat> a complete 180. Um, not to say that I didn't love the, my previous work. I just, I almost needed a new change and didn't even know it. I had no idea that I needed something in my life that was gonna launch a new side of me personally, professionally, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, like all of it. It just, yeah. it changed in a blink of an eye. And I think COVID did that for a lot of people. It wasn't just me specifically, but the timing for me was right. I mean, when the world shut down, March 13th, 2020. Well, you had to like, I feel like you and a lot of people had to like change everything. Totally. Like, because it, like, it was almost like a rebirth for a lot of people because what you were doing might not work anymore. And then like that person that you were was like now thrust into the, I mean, it's a global fucking pandemic. Like that's totally, that's insane. Like, yeah. and, and I think like when it first started, that was around when I started this show hmm. and I was like, guys, it's going to be over in like two weeks. I remember this, like media hype. Yeah. I got, I got a lot of hate for that. Like a couple months it, later it when did not age well, the no, clip, no, like, well. like definitely got canceled for that, which was great. I loved, <laughs> I loved getting canceled. That was really exciting for me. 
good uh, development time. But I remember when it when COVID like first started hitting and like getting back from spring break um, and being with my friends and being like, oh, like this will blow over. School's giving us another week of spring Literally. break. This is great. And then I like didn't see them again. For, I like, remember months. exactly what you just said. I was teaching at the time in my former role and it was coming up on spring break for, for the guys. Yeah. Right. And they were all like, Oh, Mr. Clark, Mr. Clark, we're so excited. We're going to get a couple extra days. And I was like, boys, I mean, you could, you talk about fact checking. You could fact check this. Um, <laughs> literally four kids. I remember exactly who they were in my office that day in the middle hallway that you remember. And oh, yeah. they were like, Clark, we're going to see you in two weeks. I'm like, boys, if you go home, you're not coming back. I, I can promise it to you. To, yeah. It will be, and they didn't believe you, and neither, and I didn't believe myself, quite frankly. Well, how could you? It was no, like we've never seen course. shit like this. But you just got us. And it was an eerie sense of like, oh shoot, it's about to get very real very quickly. And I was gutted for those guys. You know what I mean? Like we all, the two of us, have graduated college and high school. And I remember, my, it, it's like the lasts. They didn't get yeah. the lasts. That's true. I missed like the last like three months of senior year of college. Really? And it was like. Yeah, it was it was screwed up. Oh, that's up. right. You talk about when you yeah, when the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's like I can't even fathom it for me personally. Like the last bit yeah. of senior year of high school was like the best time in my life at that point in my life. The oh yeah, best time of your college life because that's what you knew. First twenty one years, twenty two years of your life, and then all of a sudden it's like gone. Or the greatest times of your life, and then all of a sudden it was stripped away from none other than circumstance, and it affected way more people than I think anybody ever knew. And it's still oh, yeah. affecting people. I mean, it still affects people. It's nuts to me to think that like something that started years and years ago, like when I first started this show, totally. it was like, I think I started the show November, 2019. So that was like, yeah. what, a couple of months Four before it months? hit. Yeah. And then still going now. Like this is the fifth season of the show and, and we're still dealing with the same fucking pandemic. Still, yeah. <clears throat> one of my, uh, one of my, uh, one of our employees just, just like, it was actually like a shell shock the other day. Like they came in there, well, they called and they were like, "Hey, I have COVID." And I was like, "Wait, what?" Like you don't hear that word anymore. It was no. like it was like two years blitz and then no, nothing. And then like people were just kind of like, "Start oh, to come okay. back." Yeah, totally for sure. <sighs> nothing to be uh, listen, nothing to be uh, taken lightly. But I mean, no. that's just coming from my own horrendous experience. Yes, with the uh, with the lovely. I got to say, it's like it's hard to talk about like the good stuff that happened during this time period because a lot of people did lose everything. A lot of people lost loved ones, like their businesses, totally. revenue, job, like whatever. Mm -hmm. But I also think for the people that like used it as an opportunity, kind of like for that growth that we talked about, like yeah. these have been some of the most like transformative and productive years like of my life. And you could call it circumstance because this is like where my career starting, the yep. show's taking off, other stuff is taking off. But I don't think that I would be in as good of a position as I'm in now if it weren't for like, no, we're throwing you to like to the fire. Like yeah. you're going to hit the ground running or you're not going to make it. And just like having to go through all of that change, I think was really productive. But like, it's hard to say that and say like, I got something positive out of being thrown to the fire and having all these bad things happen because other people had it worse and they didn't come out of this better. It's, um, I agree with everything you said. I mean, it's a mindset, right? Like the thing that comes to mind for me when you talk about that and that theme is 
again, like you can choose to to think about something and wallow in what you don't have, or you can spend your time, energy, and effort in positivity, gratitude, Thanksgiving, reaching out to, to what you do have. I mean, again, it, I say that, and then obviously somebody could easily come back and be like, oh, well, my mom just passed. What's positive about that? And again, you could yeah. spin anything, obviously, and that's never my goal, but I think you talked about timing before, and when I got that role, that's, I think, the shift. Like, yeah, the job, and yeah, the success, and yeah, the money, like, whatever. To me, I feel like I'm a better person now because I think the circumstance of the change, the transition, the COVID pandemic, the circum, like, whatever, all of it balled into one. Like, for me, it was, wow, like, yeah, I broke my leg. That's actually what happened that year, if you remember. I like how can I forget? How can I forget? You yeah. lived with us. Yeah, right, right. So like <laughs> I lived on your couch for three straight weeks. I'm sure my body imprint is still there, much to your father's still dismay. Is. Yeah, but yep. I mean, like literally, like I remember wallowing in self pity. That was back in September of that year. COVID wasn't even a thought in the brain of yeah. anybody. And I was sitting there thinking I'd just gotten promoted at my former job. I was ready to tackle the world. I was so gung-ho about education and then Gone. I broke my leg. Like it was literally with your brother at practice. Also, I feel that like it. like we can't downplay this. You didn't like just break your leg. Like it was a really bad break and yeah. you were in a really bad position. Yeah, well, I, mean, I don't know that we want to tell the people what happened <laughs> exactly. Uh, but um, basically Clark decided to try to be an athlete as a washed up athlete. Yeah. 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 Is the is the oversimplification, but yeah, no, it was definitely it torn torn everything in my knee and and you know some patella issues, but yeah, I mean, I remember actually literally coming out of that surgery and being like, oh my gosh, like I don't got anything anymore. Like it's such a mentally taxing injury, it's like weird. because you take away something that we just literally take for granted. Like I being I take able to walk for granted, being able to get out of bed, put my clothes on left right, like walk down the steps drive a car with your right foot like obviously it was my right leg like yeah all these things couldn't do for six six seven months and by the way you know this about me but i hate asking people for help oh yeah <laughs> it's like and your mother is the complete opposite right? it is so funny right and your mother's like the complete opposite she's like i don't care i'm going to help you anyway even if yes. you don't need it yes and i couldn't have been more lucky and she taught me again that's another positive thing that came out of it like sure i got healthy and did therapy and got my knee back in order but i learned that like re like people reaching out is not asked not actually a bad thing no it was way more than just your mother i mean your mother was instrumental but like all the people that come out of the woodwork to be able to help and i think that's what that's what i love about society just in general you talk we, we were talking about the pandemic like people show up that you've never seen before yeah not again not to spin and take it away from all the loss and the the grave nonsense that that took place over two years but like People found their voice, I think, during COVID. I think people pivoted and adapted things. I mean, social media blew up like a like a yep. hot air balloon. That's um, all you could do. Literally. I mean, people the just the 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 general population that just thought outside the box and started something new. And for me, my new wasn't social media or anything like that. It was I need to I need to be open to another opportunity because I broke my leg, COVID hit, and I lost somebody that year that was close to me. And so like everybody always says, I like, go, oh, bad things happen in threes. I was like, huh, as a spiritual guy, I was like, maybe I'm not supposed to be at this place at this time. Yeah. 
And again, I wasn't looking at all. Mortgages was, I've if you told me I'd work for a mortgage company at some point, I, I feel like that's like the classic line, like the, oh, when I was younger, like if you told me I was gonna go work for a mortgage company at any point in my career, I'd owe you everything I, I had because I never would have believed that that's where I would have ended up. And I think that's why like catalysts, especially ones that like are really bad, that's why they're so impactful is because when that stuff happens or like if it happens in threes or whatever and you feel like you're at your absolute worst, that's when you're willing to make those changes. Very few people will have like inconveniences yeah. or like issues and be like, oh, like I have the power to switch these things up and like change my life for the better. Most people are happy and get complacent and they're like, it's not great, but I don't want to put in the effort or time to get it to a better spot. And it's Without not even question. necessarily like a laziness thing. Like humans get into schedules and ruts and things like that so easily that escaping that sometimes for some people is like, they can't even fathom that. So I feel like going through what you went through or like going through COVID and like losing time at school or losing time with your friends or losing loved ones was like, it spurred so much positive change for people that made it through. And again, like there are a lot of people that like didn't make it through. I was just out to dinner last night with friends that like they still mask everywhere. Yeah. And it's not because they are like crazy COVID people. It's because they lost loved ones and they're so like deathly afraid about getting it themselves when in reality they would probably be okay. They're vaxxed, they're boosted, they're healthy, whatever. But like yeah. that was the other thing about COVID is like you didn't know. Like it took healthy people as well. It was totally. it was almost like it was randomized. Yeah, you had a yeah. you had a tough time with I COVID. don't know that I'm the healthiest guy in the world as I sit here and sip on my favorite drink. But like I yeah, totally bad mouth. I mean scary i mean again like I, there were so many things that i actually wanted to debrief on what you just said because there's so many poignant points of mainly specific i think specifically about what struck me was there's a line when i was in college there was a line where you know you have to choose to be affected by something that doesn't affect you or yeah or you just don't care right so when i was younger when, when i was younger when you were younger like <laughs> When I was in like third or second or third grade, it wasn't like everybody you knew. Somebody you you knew somebody in your life that had cancer. It, you didn't. Right. You just didn't. It wasn't like wasn't as common. Yeah. Now it's like you'd be a fool if somebody said, "Oh, do you do you have you ever been affected by somebody with cancer yourself or somebody that you know?" It's like you're like, uh, uh, yeah, like course. let me run off the list. Yeah. COVID was kind of the same thing. Like yeah. it, it was kind of like uh, some people had their opinions and it was right left. It was. I don't mean right, left, center, like that politically. I mean, like, it just, it was, everybody had their, like, let's take a stance on the ground. And it was just like, for me, like, I wasn't affected by COVID at the beginning. Nobody in my family, nobody in my friend group, nobody, yeah. me. And then you're like, kind of through it. Everybody's kind of like, oh, COVID's kind of this thing that we're going to talk about in the history books. And then November of, of 21. I got uh, that again. Nine. Night, uh, it was 9.30 at night on November, the last day of November, 29th, 30th. I don't remember how many days in November, but I don't. I had a meeting. School. It was a Tuesday night, and my boss and I were at his house preparing for a major meeting, a sales meeting in December on the 1st, to go over the entire year and preface what was going to come in 2022 and goals, projections, all that stuff. And I, it hit me like a ton of. Of high noons. I mean, it was like I had had like, I, honest to God, I'm, I'm here to smile about it now, but I was ridiculously sick. Ridiculously sick. I mean, it was scary. I remember talking to you at that time 
And it was weird to me because like you, I'd gotten pretty lucky. Like nobody that I had known and still to this day, like unbelievably lucky. Nobody that I knew had like died of COVID. A couple people had had like some complications, but like they were okay. And then I remember talking to you and like talking to my mom. She was like, Michael's like really sick. I was like, Michael Clark? Like, what do you mean? Like he's, yeah. he's a young, like healthy guy. And totally. she's like, yeah, like he's not like doing great. And it was a weird moment because I think that's when I started to like understand how other people started to feel. Cause I was like somebody close to my family is like really sick with this stuff. And yeah. it was, it was scary. Yeah. Listen, it goes and, back to the choosing to be affected by something. It's like, yes, that doesn't affect me. So I don't know that I need to spend, we're all so human beings hate certain things, change being one of them. So COVID forced people to change. Oh yeah. There are routines. You were talking about routine. Like we were at home for what 70 days i think I, we were not like it was like we couldn't come out of our houses no no, no it was seven days to stop the curve so the car- <laughs> <laughs> right i forgot that line it's what you bring up i yeah i wish i had only had it seven days i mean i yeah it was just cra- we it, i wasn't affected i'll be ju- i'll be the first one to admit i went about my i tried to return to as normal as normal is yeah i was going out with friends i wasn't masking everywhere especially not outside and again pinpointing it's all i don't know where i got it i had gone to the ravens game that sunday night yep i yep. think i actually saw you i did game. see you yeah i remember talking to you it was a sunday night game and i went and felt fine and they always you know they, they what they say right three days later wednesday was three days later when symptoms would show right i, I yeah. so that's where i again who knows where i got it from but to me, I was like sitting outside in a, in a whatchamacallit. I think I was fist, still fist bumping people. I was kind of that guy. I hate being touched to begin with. So actually COVID was great for me. I was like, oh, don't touch <laughs> that me. That makes so much sense for you too. Oh like... my God. Like literally <laughs> I got two pet peeves. Don't touch me and don't stand behind me. I just like. I like that when you first came in, I gave you a big hug yeah, instead yeah. of the handshake. No, no, and then no. while I was setting up your camera, I was behind you. Yeah, so yeah. I, I knocked, knocked for, both of those out tonight. Two for two. Yeah, exactly. We just got closer. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think another like qualifying feature about you. Oh boy. That <laughs> I know. that like, but okay. So my mom like adores you as you know, and like, she's the best, like feels like you're her like long lost, like fifth, fifth son. son. Yeah. Yeah. Like consistently like talks about you, like you're part of the family. And it's nice because people like you, people like Christian Connolly, like have become part of like our family. And it's, it's so like nice to be like that, house if that makes sense where like people are able to like come and like you know now like if you ever break your leg again or like <laughs> fuck up your knee like you can come sleep on our couch like christian mm, connelly will father. come over for a couple days no your father would probably <laughs> uh veto that as long as you drink whiskey with him yeah yeah and it's, yeah well whiskey and those whatever the hell medicine your mother had me on that day I, they, would, they wouldn't mesh well together. hiding it in the apple slices Ooh. yeah but like she talks about constantly the fact that like you are somebody that likes to be independent. Totally. You like to do your own stuff. Like you said earlier, you typically don't like to ask for help. And the other word that we used to describe you all the time is like, you like to be mysterious. You like to kind of leave things up to the imagination a little bit. And I think that that's like a really cool part of like the brand that you've kind of cultivated. Like personally, but like it all kind of falls in line with like the don't touch me like like that kind of stuff yeah 
you say mysterious. Other people in my life who know me well use the word elusive. Elusive. Um, I... Like you're an extinct animal. Yeah, yeah like... right. Like, just like elusive, like a chameleon. We say. have one existing photograph of this this almost extinct animal, that yeah, kind of right. thing, That's in the woods. Me. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm a private person. I, I've always struggled. The friction for me has always been like, the friction for me has always been like, I want to be this thing that people can look at, this this being that people can find inspiration from. and what. But I also find a lot of struggle of like, I just want to be independently myself and I, I love my alone time. Like, yeah. love it. Like, there are so much people don't know about me, not because I want to be intentional about, oh, you don't know that about me, but like, like something that I've told many people before, like I am obsessed with journaling. Like if I, when I'm in, in when I'm in what I believe to be a healthy, in, like an unhealthy imbalance, like in my life, if something's out of balance, like my work-life balance or my relationship balance or whatever the case may be, it's because I'm not journaling. Usually they coincide. Mm. Like if I'm not journaling at night, writing down something, doesn't have to be this five page entry or this, po I'm really into poetry especially writing it, which again, like, again, like the stigma of being a man in high school growing up when I kind of found out about myself that I love poetry. Like yeah. I, I was in an English class. I don't remember. I, I, I hated English by the way. Cause I was terrible. At, like I, I hated reading and I hated writing and I hated spelling. I hated all of the things. Which that is so were funny that, that, yeah, that that's something that you identify as part of yourself. And now I'm like obsessed. And I, it's funny, like my assistant, <laughs> Every time he sends me an email with a typo, I call him out on it. I'm like, uh, yeah, you spelled that wrong. <laughs> you know wrong. who your email is? Yeah, yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's just like a pet. Anyway, but like long story short, like, I, like I've learned to love it. And I think like it was just like I, I used to be the follower. I wanted to be in the in crowd who didn't growing up. I wanted to be the cool kid that pretended like he didn't like the poetry lesson that Mr. So-and-so was teaching about, even though like it's what spoke to me in my heart. Like I loved chorus and music because I found a passion and a love that like, I really believe music speaks to the, to the part of the soul that the brain can't put words to. Thousand percent. Like I, I'm obsessed with Adele. Why? I don't know, but her lyrics speak to a part of me that I can't, I'm like, I listen to her shit and I'm like, yes. But I could have never it, said it, like, it from sense. my, I could have never said it or formulated the words i pretty i think i'm a pretty eloquent speaker yeah like i feel like i know how to put together and formulate a sentence like but i could have never done it the way she did it right you know and i'm like you know sam smith is another guy that like for me like oh my god sam smith yeah like i'm just like yes like what are you talking about how do you do that and so like for me poetry and music were those things and i think when i grew up in a society that was like no men don't do those two things yeah traditional masculinity stuff. yeah for yeah. sure, fall right in line with that. I was like, no, I hate, I hate it. I will not do my summer reading. I will not write, you know, that essay. I will, I will purposely not do well in English. And God, I hope my mother doesn't see this. But like, I used to literally, like, she used to read me my summer reading books up until like middle school. I used to, she, I literally, we would, she, I'd wait till August, and she'd be like, Mom, I'd be like, Mom, read them to me. Like, I was like, I was a loser about it because I was just like, I hate it. But I was I didn't hate the English. I didn't hate the reading. I hated myself liking that stuff because it it ultimately would lead to me figuring out kind of what I loved and who I loved and what I was about and what I cared about. And so to to hear that the the word around the fam is 
mysterious. It it speaks, it hits me hard in a good way. I hate the negative connotation that could come with it too. And I know that's not what people mean, but I mean, when right. people in my life say like, I'm elusive, it's not my intention. It's just, just like, a I, person. yeah, I retreat. Like, I don't, it's like the come close, but don't get too close to me type thing. And I've yeah. always struggled with that because I was always feared the rejection of, of friends, family, uh, a partner, a boss, uh, a whoever, a stranger. If you don't put yourself out there, you totally. can't get hurt. Right, exactly. If you can't put yourself out there, nobody can hurt you. But you actually, it's, it's actually completely the opposite. You, 100%. You, you absolutely, you not only hurt other people, you can hurt, hurt yourself, yourself. And ultimately, you, you, you don't learn about yourself and grow with other people. I mean, again, we're not, we're not recluses. We're not, we're, we're not meant to be that yeah, way. We're not, we're not. Human but beings think, are meant to be with each other. The important thing, though, that I think like that you kind of touched on is like you're supposed to be able to have both of those things where you can pull people in to a certain extent, but you can still be a private person. And I think that especially with like celebrities these days, I'm like, I'll be the first to tell you, like, I think, you know, celebrities are spoiled and privileged and whatever. But like it always hits me, too, when like like something bad will happen to them or like, you know, paparazzi like gets in their face or something like that. People are like, well, that's what you get for being famous. Like, it's just part of it. And I'm like, no, like that's that's shitty. And I think when you translate it to people kind of doing like what you're doing, where you now have this really public part of yourself that's yeah, like social totally. media. Totally. That's brand new. Um, but you're still trying to be like a more private person. I think it's it's valuable to have kind of those those two different worlds. And the Japanese have. um I know I know you know probably what I'm talking about. The Japanese have a saying that I'm absolutely going to butcher, but it's like um you have three faces. It's the face that you show to others, the face that you show to yourself, and then there's like one other one. Mm-hmm. And um I've always like identified so much with that being even less of like a private person, but just like understanding that I do need alone time. There are times when like I want to share a lot of things, but at the same time like I still need my privacy and it's kind of a weird line to walk, especially now as you're coming into this, like you're podcasting, you're big on TikTok and Instagram. Like people are looking to you as like a micro influencer in a lot of different aspects. Like I I think what you're doing and, and kind of riding that line, like really carefully is really cool because you're showing people that you can actually do both. It doesn't need to be that you're maybe not well. Uh, well, it doesn't need to be that you're all one or all the other. You can you can actually manage to be both. Yeah, I mean, it's intru- I the words that come to me are like everybody's always seen me as like an extrovert. We were talking about this before we started filming, like yeah. loving the spotlight or hating it. I can't. I there's, it, I don't love it. I, I don't love it. People may look at me and be like, everybody always says like, oh, you're great on the camera. You're great. You're just so eloquent. People will, people will reach out and be like, do you script those? And I'm like, no, no, no I don't. just talking. <laughs> yeah, and maybe I should. I used to, you know, my in my former role, I used to talk to students all the time, and they'd be like, you should write that down. I was like, I just blacked out. I have no idea what I just said to you. So <laughs> you black out, you say something great, and then I was like, 10 minutes I later, you wake up. <laughs> black cherry high before class. I have no idea what I said. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, high noons didn't exist back then. But um, no, I mean, like, I think everybody's always perceived me to be some like extroverted person. And I probably am the most introverted extrovert you've met. I extroversion and introversion are all about one thing. And it's where you get your energy from. Yes. I get my energy from being by myself 
and getting good sleep and journaling and listening to music. I love golf, which is four hours, even if you're playing with three other guys. With a small group of people. Just me, myself, yep. and my golf ball. And I've always treated golf like like life. You can hit it way right and you gotta figure out a way to get it back on track to try to still make, you know, par on the hole, right? Like I I literally think about and plot my life a lot like that. Like, you know, if par is seventy on a golf course, how do you figure out how to how to shoot the number? And when you can't shoot the number that day, you get tomorrow to, to try it again. And yeah. the day that you do shoot below the number, you can always be better. I, I've never met a golfer, right, that comes in after a round and is like, oh, could have made that putt on seven, you know? Well, well, Jack, you made, you, you shot 66. Ah, but I could have shot 65. Like, but why would you focus on the one thing it's human that nature. you messed up? It's human nature. We're drawn to the negative. I think that's absolutely Constantly. accurate. Yes. We love it. We fixate on negativity and drama and, and what what sells, clicks, all of it, right? Like, I think we were talking about that before we were filming again. Like, I think you were talking about my stuff, and I'm like, I don't know that I'm, I'm making much of an impact. And it's funny, like, I literally started doing this 200, 300 days ago, and my boss wanted me to do it a year ago and was like, hey, like, get – get yourself out there, start marketing to your sphere of influence, grow whatever. And I was like, nah, not interested. Um, and then I like finally came to it. And I was like, I'll, I'll try it for 30 days, prove to you that it doesn't work, and then I'll be free. It's hard work, but it's like to put out a positive message all the time, right? Like another person who I like always was embarrassed to admit that I loved was Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. Like love her, love what she's about. How do you she- feel about her like right now? I love her. After all the stuff? Yeah, I mean, listen, I didn't read too much into the negative stuff and, and that wasn't a cop out. It was like, Ellen for me was somebody who like, silence was complicit. Mm. She wasn't silent. No. She she forged a path for herself and she, she took a nosedive for it. During a time too, when she yeah. started where they treated her like shit. Totally. And, and I'd like say not, worse than shit, but yeah. yeah. Be also because of her identity, because of what she totally. looked like, because of what she had to say. Yeah. That was such a like challenging thing for me because like when some of those accusations started coming totally. out, it was like it, like she was getting canceled, right? And like I'm like very against cancel culture. Like I think if people do bad things, obviously hold them accountable, but like this person's doing something that I don't like or I think that I don't like, so they need to lose everything they've ever worked for. And it's like well, right. it takes it takes 10 years to build a reputation and one day to ruin it. Right. Yeah. Which is like so weird. So with the Ellen stuff, like it made me angry because I'm like, I'm somebody that believes like you should treat everybody with respect and stuff like that. And the yeah. accusations and some of the some of the stuff was that it. she wasn't. But at the same point, it's important to look at also like it's not like she's Harvey Weinstein. It was almost like people didn't put her like up to that level. But they they felt like betrayed and they let that hurt put her in such a worse category than hey like she's kind of a dick to her staff. That was really the issue was that she's kind of a dick to her staff. Like that was the thing. And it's like we have so many other like worse people that you're also like putting in similar categories. And it's like she comes from this like legacy of like having to fight tooth and nail to even like be to just be herself. 
to to be like seen as like a human being yeah. that deserves like respect and then it's like hey like she's kind of a dick sometimes like she needs to get like she's a just, human yeah like, again like we were, just, we were talking about that way earlier like you again you you literally could be judged for a decision we all make mistakes i've made half a million half a million mistakes in my life i've made i own every single one of them uh but we like human beings weren't made to be intrinsically evil or bad and i don't again, i believe that yeah. you know you, you you what's at the heart of a human being i think is the question that i'd ask and i'd want that question to be asked of me right like i've made plenty of mistakes i've hurt plenty of people in my life not intentionally i don't think i hope i don't know that i've ever sat out and had a day where i'm like i'm gonna hurt this person today and so at the core of who we are is a is a heart that i think wants good for both themselves and other people um i, I could probably get a lot of comments in this in the comments section that don't agree with that but i I, I believe that. that's my belief. I think that's valid. I believe that. And so I think, I think that makes sense. Ellen, you know, she did 20 whatever year, 20 seasons of that show. And yeah, did she did she have the ability? Again, that's what being a leader is all about, right? Leader. I think people today get leadership and, and the definition of a leader totally inaccurate. They expect leaders to be heroes and leaders can't actually be heroes if they're being leaders, I think. Yeah, but I'd go a step further, right? Like, what's okay. the definition of being a leader? In your in your opinion, like the most simple definition for you, like not yeah. a trick question, like what is a leader to Ben? I think it's setting an example for other people that you also follow for yourself. Love that. For me, leader a leader is somebody who people choose to follow. Mm. Right, like somebody who's in management. Like people have to follow that because it, you're given a title. Title doesn't mean you're a leader. No. Like that, people get that wrong. Like dead wrong. I, like I, I'm very passionate about that. Like I don't choose to follow a manager at work because they are the boss or they're the manager of you or somebody else. I don't care what your title is. Are you a good person? Do you have great qualities? Do you lead? Leader is somebody who people choose to follow into everything, into battle, into into a tough situation, into a into a mistake that they make. So like taking the example of of Ellen, like she's somebody who people have clearly chosen to follow. Did she take accountability right away? I don't know. You could make the argument she didn't, right? But like people still chose to follow her because she's a, a good leader of a of money things, of daytime talk show, of millions of, of people, of too. the LGBT community, of all these things that she has come to be this leader of. You know, we all lead in some sort of way, whether it's micro or macro. But people have to choose to follow, like the right. podcast. Like people choose to follow your podcast because you're, you're leading conversation, you're leading viewership, you're leading, you know, at, like whatever you lead. You lead during this. I didn't have to come here. You're, I chose to come here because I like what's being done. You're right. leading something. And so I think people get that wrong. Like I would never, if somebody said, hey, you have an opportunity to go on a podcast that can reach a million, million, 10 million people and it'll turn into a million deals. But the guy's a dick and, and it, it stands for stupid shit and, and treats people like crap. That's just a caveat, but don't worry about the, that part because yeah. you'll get the business. Never in my life would I even think to go on a podcast. Because it's not, it's not worth it at that point. Oh. I, so 
like kind of similar to that. I have filmed one episode of the show that I never released. And it was an episode with a decently large name, big reach. They're yeah. in the news on a regular basis. I even advertised that this person was coming on because huh. it took weeks to get this person. And I won't release who it is because uh, I'm about to tell you what they said. Off, and camera, it was, off camera, you'll tell yeah, me. Yeah, 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 exactly. Follow um, my podcast and you'll get it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> on Patreon. Uh, yeah, on, yeah, on, yeah, the Discord, yeah. Um, but this person came on and I had this expectation of like, this is going to be huge. And there have been other people before that like, I've had on because I know that that person has a huge reach and I don't care. I, I used to not care as much about the conversation, I just wanted the numbers. Hmm. And it was, so So those are two different things, right? Yeah. And doing a couple of those ones, uh, last season I did one, and after doing it, I like hated the episode. And uh, that one did get released and it got decent viewership, whatever. That's when I kind of started to decide to have more people like yourself on that like I'm just close to, because these are so much more valuable to like somebody with, I think this person had like 500,000 followers. The other person, so the one that I didn't release, came on and accused somebody. Uh, I'm trying, like, oh, I don't want to give like any hints Dirt. away about who this person is, Dirt. but they accused, <laughs> they accused somebody of being a domestic terrorist, like on the show, Jeez, Louise. like right off the bat. And it was someone that I know who this is, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> uh, and and uh, click the link below. It's <laughs> it's somebody, too, that like I know and that I'm not necessarily close to, but it's somebody that has treated me always with respect. I looked deeply into this person and um, not only have they shown me respect, but like they're pretty squeaky clean but they've also had a bad rap and this person from their perspective and their negative interactions with this person just decided to come on and trash this person. And yeah. I had to let them know. I was like, that's not something that I allow. Now, listen, like it wasn't I let in the contract, by the way, exactly. <laughs> I let people say pretty much whatever they want to on yeah, the show. I would agree. But it was, it was legitimately to the point where I was like, okay, I can make a decent amount of money off of this episode. I can get at least a couple million views on TikTok and get some good stuff on YouTube. I can literally restart one of the biggest dramas in the United States through my podcast, be the carrier for it, be talked about, go on the news, all this stuff. If I release this because it restarts this whole drama and all this bullshit. And I was like, and, and this is not to make me sound like some like no, 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 hero or whatever, but it was it was like it was so binary to me and this part didn't cross my mind for a second it was just like that's what i could do that's not even an option i cannot release this because it's not right to that person who you know could never talk to me again could never give me the time of day again but that's not what it's about it's about you cannot make a baseless and terrible claim about somebody even if that's going to go well for me yeah. that's not worth it to me to hurt somebody in that way well i think I mean, again, you talk about a lot right there. I mean, I think authenticity and vulnerability is what took over during the the pandemic. You know, people are looking for they're looking for vulnerability. I love you. <laughs> the best drink ever. Um, people are looking for vulnerability and, and authenticity. I think that's what's like, again, before we started rolling, you were like, dude, you're, you're having a lot of success. And I'm like, what's the definition of success to you? Because the definition of success, I think, for a lot of people on social media is views, likes, shares, and whatever else. 
Conversion is what I'm in it for. Conversion and authentic. Going for further, it's it's impact. Well, it's fun. Did you watch a video of mine recently? <laughs> I'm stealing I your life I just now. released that video three days ago. Uh, we were talking about PRMI uh, is the company I work for. Not a plug anyway at all, but it's Primary Residential Mortgage Inc. Yes. And I changed the I to impact because I was talking about I didn't take this job to be in the mortgage business. I took this job to have an impact. Literally. Helping people with their the greatest financial decision of their entire life. I want to give people an opportunity to do what I was able to do at 22 years old. Not many people in their life are able to buy at 22 years old, not because they can't, but because they don't know that they can. Yes. That's a fact. And being able to have morphed my former role into this role is the greatest gift I could have ever received. I have probably at this point right now in my career, five, maybe six former students who work for me, work with me, whatever. I don't yeah. I hate the for me line. They work with me. I mean, my direct You're a leader. No, but I, well, I think again, but leadership, they don't work for me. They work with me. I, I, my job is to motivate them to want to work hard for themselves. I never look at one of one employee at the company ever. And neither does the president who I work for literally, but he would never, he, he'd literally have, if he was in the room, he would have corrected me. He would have been like, you don't work for me. You work with me. And yeah. I think again, that's good leadership. Leadership is I choose to follow that. I want to be involved with that guy instead of the guy that you're like, oh, you, I work for you. You know, you work for me. No, no, I don't. Nobody wants that. No. And again, it's easier said than done. Everybody would listen to that and be like, yeah, that makes sense. Nobody in America, I think, would be like, no, I, I disagree. You work for me. Well, but you'd no, also get nobody. a lot of shit for, like, I think sometimes, like, when we say things similar to that, people, uh, like, conflate that with, like, they're saying, like, Oh, like this is easy. No, 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 no. This like it's a challenge to be that way, but it is a it is a challenge that you should do. That is the right way to go. Yeah, I think people expect things of leaders, too. That's the caveat going back to the thing. Yeah, you learn about Ellen, right? She's supposed to be happy, joyful, put a laugh on your face and whatever. Not only that, all the time, all the time. That's my point. She. On all or off camera, yeah, all, all the, the time, time she has to be. So that she way. can't have a bad day, right? And so, like, you if you if you start a podcast about people giving their authentic view of something, say, right? Like, neither of us. I mean, we want people to come on and be authentic, but like, if they say something that you disagree with or you don't like, it's not, it's not your decision, in my opinion, to to tell people what to think and what to like, and who, yeah. how to be. And so, also, that's boring, right? But like. For example, like I had a I had a decent day today, so I'm here in a good in a great mood. But what happens if God forbid you know I didn't have a great day? Do we cancel and not do it? There's an argument for to be made for that, or do we do it and just be the raw, authentic, vulnerable? Let's do it. Let's just let's just do it. And I think this that's that latter example sells way more. People aren't looking yes. for the hunky dory like oh here I am again, Michael Clark here on the podcast with Ben. Like people are looking for like let's let's be fucking real. Which to like, I'm glad that you said that. So I talk to a bunch of podcasters all the time yeah. and it's, it's something that's like one of my favorite things. Cause I feel like podcasters are like, they just understand things like differently and through a different lens because sure. you have to push authenticity. But at the same point, like you do have to be careful in this day and age because of what you say and you will be held accountable for without question, every single thing that you say without question. Tell and it doesn't, part. it doesn't matter if like 10 years from now, 
Like, like we could say stuff tonight that mm-hmm. 10 years from now Agreed. we could get canceled for. And Agreed. it's like, that's crazy. So I, I talk to other podcasters. It is crazy, but it's real. Yes, it happens all the time. All the time. Um, but when I talk to podcasters about- You saying COVID was gonna last seven days. The, yes, uh, <laughs> I need to be canceled again. Like I, I only got canceled, I've only been canceled once oh and it was God. half canceled. And I feel like I never got a fair shake. So you if you're rebounded. at home, if you're at home, there just please please cancel me again i love it no um but when i talk to people like um i have a couple of close friends who are podcasting and like uh, this show by no means is like upper echelons like we do well for ourselves this is not a massive show i have friends in the podcast industry who have you know like an 80th of my listening i have friends in the podcast uh business that have 80 times my listening like all over the spectrum right and the biggest thing that I've been talking to with a lot of the ones that come to me for help with stuff is like their structure kills, structure yeah. kills. Things like what we're doing now where like, I mean, I barely gave you an intro. Literally. To, like I literally, like we well, just we, we need, just started talking. You and I don't You need really no need. intro. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, you and I, it's just real. It's, we just hopped right. It was, I mean, we were podcasting before we even had the cameras rolling, quite frankly. But I'll tell you like, the episodes that I used to do, and and I have a great um, mentor that that I found in college who's helped me out the entirety of the show. They still refuse to come on the show. They would love ab- that. They would get canceled twenty times over if they come on. So that's why I want to do it. Mute, um, mute the mic. But uh, I was freaking out in like season two, and I was like, "Listens are down. I don't know what to do." Like I'm thinking about doing some like like some of this stuff, and it was super gimmicky and like structured and whatever. And he was like, "Shut the fuck." just shut up he's like you're the whole reason your show works is because you just talk to people there's no structure there's nothing beforehand like whatever if you add structure it dies and so of course i didn't listen i tried out structure a couple times (laughs) classic and and people hated it and the episodes that do the best are literally when people come in and they're like hey like just so you know like i don't know how we're gonna do and like you know i don't use social media so I i can't really promote and like you know, what do you want me to talk about? And they just come in and they just talk to me. Those episodes will do on average five times better than my other episodes where it's somebody that I'm bringing in for a specific reason for like this or that. Totally agree. Because it's the authenticity. And the other thing about authenticity is people can tell if it's fake authenticity. Totally. Or if it's real. Yeah. And so that's another reason why I wanted to have you on, not to like kiss your ass or anything. God, but, no, 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 don't, I don't but, want to be touched. I mean, you don't need it, so. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, is like connected to your journaling. You also have done something that I try and do occasionally, which is on Instagram occasionally, you will write something out that's yeah. pretty eloquent that comes from your heart, despite you being a private person. Yeah. And you just, you like bear your heart on social media and you just kind of leave it. It's been something I've always struggled with, right? Like I literally, people, people have always like the people that know me the best are like, dude, you're a hypocrite. I'm like, no, I'm not. It's never my intention. And people are like, well, you can't say you're private and then be do that. And then people are like, and then when I'm in a place in a healthy place in my life and I do that, people are like, well, I thought you were private. And um, something resurrected recently for me that I'd put up when I was like, like, I think in like, 10th grade or 11th grade, I can't remember. It was a letter I wrote to the bishop of my diocese in in New Jersey, where I grew up, about yep. his view and his response to the diocese on the vote of same-sex marriage. 
Mm. And I, there was something, again, like it's that moment that you're like, whoa, that hit me right here. I'm not, I, I can't be quiet. Yeah. And I always have had this like feeling for me, like all my thoughts to me come in like the shower. I, I used to belt any song in the shower. And I used to literally see myself with a voice in the shower. But I was the, I was a quiet, I was quiet. Like I wasn't a quiet kid, but I like the, the real me was quiet, right? Like you I, were participating, but not yeah, as authentically, that's a great not as yourself. Yeah, yeah, without question. Yeah. And part of it because I didn't know and part of it because I didn't want to. And, and, and anyway, we can get into that another time. But like it literally was a time in my life where I was like, no, I'm meant to literally speak up for people that can't. I've always said that silence is complicit. Yeah. Choosing to be affected by something. I'm not affected by, um, you know, God, I'm trying to think. Like, I'm not, a, I'm trying to think of something that's not going to get me uh, The war in canceled. Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not affected by that. But I am affected by that. We could all be affected by that. We can choose to be affected by that. Exactly. It. And so, that's like, for me, like, I always was like, I don't, I don't love that for me. And so when I would, but when I was the healthiest, like I was like, no, I have to speak up. This is not okay. Yeah. This affects way more people than me. And then when the role changed and I became the mentor figure to these high school guys, there was always a fear of like, oh my God, I can't get found out about who I love. But these guys adore the life experience I bring, but I only bring this much. I can't bring it all. I only can bring this much. You can't be your true self. Yeah, you couldn't bring your whole self to work. I, you couldn't. And that's what I love about this job. Like you can be- You can do that. Yeah, you can be your whole self. Be, bring, anybody who's out there that's working a job or putting themselves in an environment, whether it could be your family. I mean, I don't know. It, everybody's circumstance and experience yeah. is different. But like the minute you choose to be and accept yourself, whatever the hell it is that you're dealing with, your life begins. Your life begins. And like, again, I say that, like sitting here in this chair and you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> duh. The douchebags at home right, are like- they're like- Easy for you to say. Yeah, they're like, duh. I'm like, no, like, but like literally, that's what should be being peddled to people. Yeah. That's the shit that this country and world need more of. Like, how can I help you be more you? Because the world needs yeah. more of you. Like really you, I want to know all about you and what you want and what you love. Well, not only that, right? But I think people get it confused because they push. Oh, I'm like, confused. Yeah. <laughs> I think people in in every community and every um, political party, whatever, yeah. they push people to be themselves as long as it aligns with the lane. my worldview. And it's the weird thing to me is the things that, that I've been affected by people do that and they think that it's acceptance. So like, yeah, what I would like to see is like, like, I mean, you could break it down into like party examples. Right. But like, yeah. I think it would be interesting if like liberals, for example, were like, Hey, like I accept you if you're gay, like, great. Like that's a pretty common, like liberal, more generalization yeah yes totally right, right. Yep. i think it'd be much more interesting if liberals and conservatives were like hey i accept you as a conservative i accept you as a liberal i, I love it you're right because it's it's not it's so easy to be accepting of people 
that you agree with, it is so much harder to take it to heart and be like, I disagree with you. I disagree with your worldview. I disagree yeah. with your viewpoints, but I accept you for who you are and I want you to be who you are. And I'm not trying to change that necessarily. Totally. But also that what people don't realize is like when you try and put people into categories that you are comfortable with, you're never going to get them to come to the table with you. So like, not really, like not, no. not as a real person. No. So like totally. if like I'm more right leaning and I, I surround myself mostly with left leaning people and I always have because I, know that about you. I enjoy talking to people that I disagree with in a respectful manner because I don't learn anything from only talking to people that I agree with. Of course. And like, again, but like there aren't it's, enough people like that. Yes. But like, again, me saying it, like, it sounds very pompous and like, oh, like I have it figured out. Like I don't, but what no, I have figured out is like, this is something that works for me that I think more people should adopt because it's actively challenging you and your worldview on a regular basis in a healthy and constructive way. I don't have left-leaning friends that are like, hey, well, like, fuck you because you're conservative. I only have left-leaning friends that are like, I want you to like consider this viewpoint and like I'll consider your viewpoint on this and like let's have like a dialogue. I think people miss the, I just want you to hear me. Like I just want you to actually hear me. Yeah. Like there's listening and then there's active listening. There's like, oh, you just said the phrase, I want you to hear me. Okay, I heard you. No, 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 I want you to hear me. Not form your next response. Correct. I want you to Correct. listen to what I'm Correct. saying and consider it. Yeah, totally. And sit with it and and discern it and figure out like we're again, like it's it's the cycle of life, really. Like we grow up in households and we you pick up mannerisms, you pick up beliefs, you traditions is like like what do you do on Christmas Eve every year? Because my family does the Feast of the Seven Fishes. Every we, year. Yeah, we go to Mass. Right, yeah. Mass Seven fishes, Seven fishes. Yep. and then like tombola, which is like an Italian bingo game, right? Like that's what we do. Yeah. So I've never had anything else, any other thought about Christmas Eve. Well, do I enjoy any of that? I don't even like fish, really. I mean, I like fish, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> Listen, as an well, Italian. the metaphor. As an oh, Italian, the Feast the of the Seven Fishes, like it, it's gross. I don't like fish that much. I can't get through it. Yeah, like I, my sister hates it, but like I don't mind it. Like, and again, you never, ever, Italian family, not eat your Italian grandmother's No, and you can't, you can no, not you can't say, say, you can't have an excuse, no. No, like the clams, I hate it. The, but to your point, do you enjoy it? Right, so- Or can but, you just but, put up with but it? But what we were just saying is like, yes. nobody has ever given me the opportunity, right? Uh, to say, is that something that you're gonna continue on in your life when you have a life or a family or whatever? I just kind of do it because it's what's expected to be done. Here's another example. I hate the word, excuse me, the name Mike. <laughs> hate it. Okay, okay, that's good. Because I've kept your name as Michael in my phone right. because you've made a point that you're Michael, you're not Mike. But wait a minute. Revelation this year on the same track Epiphany. that we're talking about. Do right? it. I don't know that I've ever really discerned whether or not I actually hate the word Mike or the name Mike. Interesting. My mom named me Michael. And Michael was a common name in Randolph, New Jersey, in Randolph Public Schools. <laughs> so in third grade, Mrs. Gioso, I hope she watches this because I'm going we'll to send it to her. I'm yeah. going to send it to her. There were four Michaels in the class. Four. And 
they were all, there was one later on in the alphabet than my last name. Mm-hmm. It was like Michael with the last name A, I won't say his name, Michael with the last name B, and then Michael with the last name C, me. And then there was Michael with the last name M. So when she went down the roster, it was, I'm going to call you Michael. I'm going to call you Mike. I'm going to call you Mikey, which is me. You and I'm Mikey. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to call you, I don't even remember. I think it might have been his last name. Who cares what it was? My mother comes to back to school night that year. She's like, oh, my God, Mikey is so great in class. What'd you just say? <laughs> like, I can actually hear my, like, I can feel my mom twitching right now that we're talking right about this. And she was like, Michael, you mean? No, Mikey Clark, right? That's your, that's your boy? No, Michael Clark is, is my boy. Well, the next year you get involved in baseball and this, that, and the other thing. There's all these Michaels. And it was Mike and Clarky, MC. I named him Michael. Like that, I can hear, <laughs> I can put that in the caption. I, I named him Michael. And it became something that I just, that, okay, that's what my mom, that's what my mom says. That's what I'm doing. My, my, name, my name is Michael. Well, then you grow up, you gain friends in high school. You, they call you MC. They call you Hammer. They call you whatever they call you. But my, 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 my response immediately was, no, my name's Michael. Is it? Is, do I not like Mike? Or That's is it... how you grew up. Yes. That's what was ingrained so into you for so long. You take the theme, because I hate politics, but we were talking about the two of them. And yeah. I don't know. So the epiphany I had this year was somebody said to me, they're like, they said Mike. And I let it go. But the person I was also with knows that story. And they're like, it's Michael. And, and the, corrected for yeah, you. they did. And I go, hmm. It made you think about it. Yes. It made me think about it. And this branch manager of mine was like, he called, who called me Mike. He was like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, don't apologize. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not offended. Right. But I was almost trained to be offended by the word or the name Mike. Interesting. And so I thought to myself about it and I was like, I don't even know what name I like to be called. Call me asshole for all I care. Like, I'm kidding, obviously, about it. But like, I love Michael. But like, do I not like Mike? I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Because I've never had to. Well, so this is such a great example because it's like, it's your name and like, that's obviously important. But like, think about how many people grew up in households where there was certain like politics or homophobia or racism yeah, or- We're getting to the theme I was getting at. And then totally. they just, they don't know that there's something else because it's so ingrained in them that no, the, no, 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 this is the way. Yes. This is the way. Listen. You know my story. I grew up in a right-wing, Catholic, conservative family. Upper middle class. I, I, that was my upbringing. I didn't choose that. I was born into that. Right? And I was lucky. I'm grateful to be a part of all of that. I am not right-wing. I'm not conservative. I struggle with my relationship with Catholicism. And what was the fourth? Oh, I don't know that I'm upper middle class either. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, you get my point. Like, I'm a registered independent. I used to work for the church. Don't any longer. I haven't been to church in, physically in church since COVID, and I use COVID as an excuse. I do miss church. That used to be some of my introverted time. Even if it wasn't the belief system or I believed in everything about it, I would go every Sunday. It is kind of nice. Like, I, yeah, I used to love it. It used to be my I quiet time. I barely go, but... 
because I find it boring, like ADHD. Like I can't, I cannot <laughs> sit still. ADHD. And then, and then the church is like, well, for ADHD people, like you know, you're sitting, you're standing, you're we like singing. It's like that. it's like not enough. Like I, I need more. And like I'll use that as my excuse. Yeah, but up like, down, up down. Some of it is nice, and then like I use the cop out constantly of like, oh no, 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 like I'm, I'm spiritual. I'm just not religious. I don't like yeah. the foundations of the church as much, but I really, I love God and I love Jesus, and I feel much more connected to that than I do the church. And it's like an easy cop-out too. I agree, but so my role used to be like the director of campus ministry. Like people would look at, if they needed- Oh, I remember. If if they had a Catholic question, I was supposed to be the one that was gonna answer it, right? Like I used to teach theology. I used to teach, I used to teach that marriage was between a man and a woman. I used to stand in front of a fucking lecture hall. (laughs) You laugh, I like, it's like trauma, right? Like I remember the first year teaching, I was 22 years old. And I got the curriculum. We used to rotate who taught lecture. You remember the, but for those people yep. listening, right? The, the school that I used to teach in, the school that you went to had yep. a lecture and then breakouts for three or four classes, depending on the subject matter of 20 to 30 kids in the class, right? Yep. I would teach the lecture that then you would unpack in those t- classes that following week on day one of the cycle. And I remember the department chair giving me that. He didn't know, so it's not, I'm not blaming him. No. The department chair gave me that, it was, sacraments that was what i had to teach including to marriage yep, to 13 14 year old freshman boys and i remember the pit in my stomach because i was straight then of course did you know at that point at i all? had dated men i was out i, I was out you were in out college. privately oh no no okay. no 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 no, no. Wait, i wait, was wait. out okay. publicly very public and when i went to teach at that school i wiped Every social media platform I owned, every one of them. I deleted every moment of joy. I deleted every moment of acceptance. I deleted every moment of authentic vulnerability because I was afraid of working for the Catholic church that would end up ultimately saying, no, you're not welcome, you have to go. And I had too much to lose. I had master's degrees I was getting. I had had income that was coming and I had, you have adulthood to achieve. It sounds so effed up saying it out loud. And I don't know that I've ever talked to anybody about it, including my therapist about it. But what you just, I don't know what you just did there, but like. That's why I have a show. Right. Yeah, literally. (laughs) I remember that moment so vividly walking into that lecture going, you have a choice to make right now. You have a choice. You can continue to deny yourself three times. Talk about biblical. I know, I know the biblical I, nobody can school me on, you know. No, absolutely not. Any of that. And I have uncles and aunts and family members and friends who all who all feel like they can on that topic, specifically about who I am. And I remember walking in and teaching this, and I taught it. I remember I remember the slide. My heart was beating out of my chest. There was another teacher who knew who I was because they went to college with me. And I remember a little piece of them, eye contact to eye contact, a little piece of both of us died. I remember it like it was yesterday. It could get me emotional if I continued to talk about it, but I'm not going to. And I remember the moment where for the next three years that I taught there, because again, I, you taught the same class for three, three more years. I purposely didn't get that lecture, but I couldn't, but I think better me would have gotten that lecture. And, and said something. And been like, boys, there's somebody out there in the lecture hall. There's, I mean, there's way there's, more than one. There's a lot at that school, actually. Of course. There's a lot at every school. Forget yeah, the- well, yeah, yeah, but. And and I remember, and, and what used to eat at me, Ben, the most, 
was I was one of the kids. There was a time in my life where I was one of those kids and I needed a, I needed a teacher that would have stood up and be like, now nah, you're all right. You're right. I can't tell you you're all right right now, but I need you to know that I know you're all right. But it's not, that was not a failure on your part no, I don't, though. No, I don't take it. Which is good. I don't take it that way. That's good that you don't take it that way because it's, it's such a tough like position that you had to be in. And like, like now- I chose it. Like, well, yes, but- like I didn't know that you were out before that point. Yeah, nobody. As did. far, well, right. As I far because I didn't know you at that point. I was mysterious. <laughs> Don't like, think that your comment wasn't true because it is like, true. Mom, mysterious just means gay now. Like it's just. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, God, I hate. But that. I hate that. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is like when you, I mean, you can't even call it like it was like you're re-coming out. Where I you, hate the where phrase, you, by the way. Right. What do you call it? No, no, no. You have to call it that because society does that and, and that's fine. Everybody kind of understands that. But this has been my, my always my opinion of that phrase. We walk out of here. You and me are talking and we run and we bump into a stranger. Well, I got to come out to them too. They're not connected <laughs> to me on social media. Right. They didn't read that post that I put out when I was a sophomore in college. Yeah. Deleted and then read the one that I put out, you know, two years ago. Right. And it's funny because a lot of people reached out to me and were like, congrats. And I was like, congrats on what? Me being myself. And I get people uh, were coming from a really good place. Yep. You were one of the people that called me. Well, because I, was so I didn't, touched I didn't know at that point. And so my mom was literally like. She, she didn't know either. Well, so she always was like, I think that he is like, I don't want to assume anything. And like, you know, my mom, like that doesn't, she doesn't give a shit. But. I didn't know that at the time, by the way. And this isn't a dig at your mom. No, no, no. It's a dig at how you, as somebody of that it, orientation, it's sexual the paranoia. It is literally like, oh my God, I have found a fa a second family in yep. Maryland because mine's in a different state. Yep. That I know I'm so safe with. They literally took care of me when I couldn't fucking take yeah. care of myself. You could come over at any point for as long as you want. Literally. Yes. And I knew it. You knew it. You didn't feel it. And it wasn't a. It wasn't because of the the way the family was. It was because of the way that I grew up, quite frankly, in the Catholic Church, to believe yeah. that somebody could deny you, if they wanted. It's not only that somebody could. It's that even well, at fuck, the, even are. even at that at, even at this point, it's still happening. Oh, so God, when yeah. when you posted that, it was like, like my mom was like, oh my gosh, like he posted about this, like he's. He's coming out and like, we need to make sure that he knows that we still support him and love him, like all this stuff. And to me, it was like, that's when I found out too. But to now know that like, no, 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 you were out way before that. You way before. You had to put it in a different box, a huge part of yourself. I, I took two steps back. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. To try and progress your life. And in doing that, you did have opportunities, but you also were not being your true self. You had to hide who you truly were. And you, <clears throat> you parallel back, you parallel that back to Ellen. Yeah. She did it the opposite way. She yeah. did it, got absolutely persecuted, career over whatever, and look then what. You talk about the, the great redemption story, right? Like I love golf and athletes. I love it. I love sports. Like I don't fit a lot of the stereotype. That was always something that was had to be overcome by me. I, I didn't feel like I fit in the box. Like the masculine. In a gay box, like whatever that is. Yeah, I didn't feel like I'd fit in it. The fact that I'm even talking about this is legitimately like, I feel like I'm going to leave here and be like, Ben, you can't post that episode. 
but I'm going to make you post the episode. But like, I literally could not even fathom it. I couldn't even say the phrase. I still freak out about it. About the, the phrase the gay? Fra- I'm like, I couldn't, you couldn't say to me, Michael, like what sexual orientation you're going to be like, I'm, I couldn't do it. Still to this day, I'm, I've been in relationships. I can't, it's just because all of that, you can't undo 19 and a half years of your life, the way you try to live it. No. And you talk about the posting, just before we move on to that, the next yeah. piece of it. I used to have guilt about, and again, if you were in my life at the time of the first coming out, you would have been on the list of the journal that I kept and still have of the people that I would have deemed worthy and deserving of a conversation from me. I didn't mm. want you to find out from a post on social media. Right. But I went to therapy in college and, and I remember saying that line to the therapist and he goes, Michael, remember the movie Click? Adam Sandler, Click. Love that movie, yeah. I associated so bad with that movie. <laughs> it was disgusting. I used to literally be like, if I could just pause. Pause, rewind. Talk, no, no, go talk to every single person who ended up on that list of people who I deemed worthy and deserved, deserving of a conversation from me. Hey, I need to tell you something. Because I felt like posting hurt somebody. I felt like I was doing you a disservice by posting. And so when you would reach out to me, at least that first time. Yeah. This is when you never knew who I, the hell I was. Right. When somebody reached out to me to say, hey, I support you. I love you. It was like, oh, I didn't do right by that guy or that girl, that person. And so it was just like inflicted Which sucks crap. too because like you're, you didn't do anything wrong. And like to relate it to... Um, something that like I've gone through to like a lesser extent was when I came out with having Tourette's. Yes, I remember. Was I, I went on um, Ben Brown, the Tourette's podcast, and I remember I like almost, I almost cried on his show and he's he's a lovely human being. I almost cried on his show because I was talking about the response I got and it, the response that I got broke me because yeah. people that I was close to called me and they're like, uh, yeah, I'm still going to like make fun of you for making little noises. And I was like, <laughs> I love you. Like yeah, you are the best because you love that. But like I and it still makes me emotional. I had family members reach out and they were crying and they would yeah. call me and they're like, we had no idea. We're so sorry. And I'm like, there's you have nothing to be sorry about. This is something that I kept from you. And then in that moment, yeah. because it can't be their fault. Because honestly, it's not, but it's, I think it's hard for humans to realize that there are so many things that happen that is nobody's fault. It's just how things go. And so I had so many family members reach out to me and it, it made me so upset with myself that I hadn't called them before because they felt guilty and they felt bad that they hadn't supported me. And Nathan was one of those people because I actually, I told Nathan, my brother and I told him when we were in Georgia, I still remember it. We were in a hotel room in Georgia and I told my brothers cause I just had the appointment yeah. and they thought I was kidding. And then I like made a joke about it cause I'm fucked up. And <laughs> I was like, I was You're like, hey, that if you were gay, you'd be like, I'm going to come out of a closet. Like literally I'm going to open the door of a closet. And that's yes. Your, yeah. That would have been you. Thank God I'm not gay. The yeah. gay community would hate me. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember like telling my brothers that Yep. And then I post the episode and I talked about the support that I got from my brothers and Nathan 
Um, I won't go into too much of that because he's also a private person. But totally. he, he basically, he was like, um, you know, I haven't supported you in the way that I should have. And I was like, Nathan, it's not about, it's not about knowing some of the intimate details of what's going on or understanding them. It's the fact that you are a good brother and that yeah. you treat me <clears throat> with respect and you treat me well and you love me and you show love to me and that we can spend time together. And I know that none of this is going to change how you feel. That's the support that you showed me. It doesn't matter if you knew or not or t yeah, yeah. fully understood. It was the fact that you were good to me and I know that you'd be good to me no matter what. You never know the power of your reach. Like you talk about social media. That's that's one thing. Like you literally have no idea who you're reaching. Yeah. But like you never know the power of your reach with your people and even your closest people, the people that you would put on your top 10 yeah. list, like a brother like that. And like for me, it was the, I pulled this up like I wasn't being rude. Like the line for me that I that like struck me was I've allowed comments to pass. me. This goes back to the silence being complicit, right? I've allowed comments to pass me by while their results and aftermath turn to scars that keep opening and reopening line after line. Quote, that's so gay, you're such a faggot. You have a girlfriend these days, question mark. People still ask me that, by the way. And so you talk about the coming out thing. Like, again, it's like, do I revert? Hey, click link in bio to see that that's like the answer to your question of like, do I have a girlfriend? No, I don't. I There's still days I can't answer the question. Like, no, I don't. In fact, I played golf with somebody recently that was like, hey, man, like we, we had not seen, we, had, we really had never played golf together. We were in a match and he goes, hey, like, you're seeing anybody? You, you have a girlfriend? And like, that's the assumptive question. Man, probably yes, straight. of course. Has a girlfriend. And let's call a spade a spade. I actually play on that. Like, and again, I used to do it way more so when yeah. I was at the, the high school I taught at because, I mean, the guys would be the guys. Well, would be you like, had oh, to. Mr. Clark, like, what are you doing this week? Oh, you know, you know, just going out, getting, you know, Couple getting hot dates. Yeah, got a lot of hot dates. Mr. Clark, you pull any ladies this weekend? It's like, yeah, you know how it is. Like. No, like what damage I did to the kid that like, or whatever, but mm. forget that. Like, again, I'm very others oriented. Like the damage it did to me. And well, like you said, are you, are you required to come out to that person and be like, no, actually like I'm gay. I have a boyfriend, like whatever. It's no, it's so tedious. I don't wear it I on my forehead. I can't imagine being in that position it's where it's sick. like, oh, like, oh, like I had no idea you were gay. Like you don't seem gay. And then it's yeah, like, whatever that means. Do, do I have to, first of all, gay is not like a box. Gay is like a spectrum, just like, no, like, like straight, circle. right? It's more of like a circle. The circle, <laughs> the circle of gay. But like to your no, earlier totally. comment, like having to be in a position where like, oh, this person doesn't know. Now I have to yeah. bear my soul to them and tell them about my sexuality. And then maybe they have questions. Like, I don't know if I'm in like the right mood to get into it. Like, it's how I you felt have about to be perfect six. all the time. Yeah. It's how I felt about the six people in your family fit right into that category that you just said. Yep. How can I tell each one of these people? Um, Nathan was the first to know because he graduated and he was with a relationship and the response I got from him was unreal. Um, even Justin, like just, I even told Nathan, like Justin's reaction to that was like one of the greatest things I've ever experienced. Like I could read, I'll never read the message to anybody ever, but like no. I, I was, cause that was the line. That line resonated with people. You went to an all boys Catholic high school. Yeah. That's so, this homework is so gay. Really? So that Regular. homework likes other homework. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. <laughs> I used to say that to people, but when I, 
year three and four, right? I was there for four years. Year yeah. three and four, I was like, I can't live like this anymore. I no. got I got to find little spots that I can try to do this, right? Yeah. Then the dance policy thing came up, like you know, the whole like whatever, <sighs> whatever. And it's I just, just used I used to keep quiet. I just wanted to be under the radar, private, whatever. No, but the fact that like like being in theater, most of my friends at that school were gay. Stereotype. And so, right. <laughs> I'm but, kidding. I'm no, kidding. but they were. And yeah, then you're they, correct. But here's what would happen at that school is because I, I knew all these guys like three... I was only in 17 plays when I was younger, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Not a stereotype. Um, I can name them all for you. Uh, there were a three good men, Oklahoma. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> well, men, of course. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> I had three different guys come out to me at that school while, by the way, while I was still in a period where I was still using the term gay, like whatever. I, use it. I mean, I still use it sometimes because I'm a piece of shit. But you know, it's how many? Of, <laughs> how many, I grew up in the Call of Duty generation, right? Like that's literally Xbox. Call it's of a, Duty. If you camped, it's pervasive, right? If you camped, you know what that is, right? Yeah. When you sat there and spawned and then camped and just used to kill people. If you camped, then you're gay. You were gay. Yeah. And I remember, you know, like the sport you played. I played I, like when I after I did my knee when I was in high school. It was like you played volleyball. You're gay. You're in the chorus. You're gay. You're you because play, it was different, in, right? You're in plays. You're gay. It just so happened to also be a fact about me. But and again, which leads to it, we can have a whole podcast episode about that. But yeah, you can come on mine. We talk about it. But long story short, like I literally, I literally remember it like it was yesterday. That that word, gay and faggot, it literally led me to try to do it, take your life. I couldn't. I couldn't do it because I couldn't speak up. I couldn't find the voice for it. Yeah. And the amount of text messages I got were infinite. It's my like one of my most oh, liked posts on social media. And people are like, well, why don't you play more on that? And I'm like, I don't use that to, to, to court people. And it's by the way, if you read the post, and if you read the post, it wasn't about that, if mm -hmm. you read it. And people, and I say that to people like, oh yeah, that was your coming out post. It, it, no, it wasn't because by the way, I came out seven years ago. You didn't know me then, but I did. But that's, that why, that's why any so longer. many people were like, I get it. Like, oh, this is I, why he's coming out. I you, get it. Yeah. But the posts that meant the most to me, and this is the theme I want people to take away, and I wanted, it was actually the intentional part, and I am an intentional person. It was the, the guys, the jocks, all the kids that I used to associate myself with when I was in high school and who I was in high school, who I wanted to be and sometimes achieved. All the kids that used to be really close to me when I was a teacher. Yeah. Excuse me, in high school. I never knew the damage I probably caused you or anybody else by using the phrases that you mentioned in the post. Again, we joked before and it's lighthearted. Like, oh, yeah. my, in the cafeteria, I'd walk in for my lunch duty once a week, once a cycle, and I'd hear, dude, this fucking homework is so gay. And again, the first two years, I just kept walking, head down, be on my phone, text, whatever. Then it started getting to you. And then I thought to myself, all right, I can't say it to them about me, but I can, but there's some, then I started learning, building relationships with kids. They'd come out and they, and I'd know their story and I'd know their hurt. And I'd know that it was similar to mine. I'd be like, all right, well, I'm going to be a voice for them. I'm still not, I'm still going to play. I'm not going to speak for I'm myself. I'm still going to play on the fact yep. that I'm probably straight and I'm, I'm slaying all these ladies, which I, that was the phrase. I, by the way, I hate that. The objectifying women the, thing. The whole conquering. You get my point. That's <laughs> why so I don't want people to think of that. Who, so who ass I am, backwards. But, yeah. But literally like. I used to be the guy that was like, no, like stop objectifying women. Like I used to say that to the, the straight guys in, 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 at that school. But boys, like women aren't meant to be like that either. Like, and it wasn't a matter of like, oh, you're this liberal. Cause I'm not. 
this liberal gender loving guy. Like, no, like just treat people the right way. Like, what are you doing? And that was the stance I took. And I felt like if I took that stance, it would encompass it all of it. But I remember, I actually, I actually um, know exactly who it was. And they actually were one of the people that texted me that meant the most. And they used to use that phrase all the time. Jock, mm. athlete, division one athlete, plays the sport, is a senior, heading into his senior year. One of the best kids I ever knew. I knew that his heart was never in, you're so gay, That's you're stop being a fag, whatever the case He's may be. He's just saying it. It was, you couldn't persecute a kid for the way they grew up and the environment that society provided for them. But you can provide a better environment and you can challenge somebody's yes. point of view, you can challenge somebody's experience and you can use your own experience to challenge somebody to now have to choose to be affected. Yeah. Go back to the cancer idea, you know, the, the, the cancer example I gave. This is an even bigger one. In second grade, when I was in second grade, being gay wasn't, you weren't. When our parents were kids, it was, when Ellen came out, it was like, what? Don't say that out loud. Right. Now it's like the opposite. It's like, all right, it's too much. At least in my opinion, like it's too much. But like, I couldn't imagine myself growing up 40 years ago. I probably no. would have probably either one ended my life or two ended up in a gutter or three probably gotten married, had kids and been miserable, quite frankly. Well, so I have, this is like why my experience with this was like weird was um, my dad's best friend as like, you know, traditional and whatever it's he is. My dad's best friend his whole life was gay. And he always said, like, I knew before he knew. This is also, uh, I won't I say- I used to hate that, by the way. We can, what back, we can come back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was like, he was growing up during a time where that wasn't a thing. And yeah. so- yeah, oh, yeah, God, Repressed yeah. it, repressed it, repressed it, whatever. Um, and he'll he'll probably end up seeing this and so will his daughter. But got huh. married, had a daughter, and then kind of figured out who he was. And yeah. now he has a wonderful partner. They're actually moving to Maryland, which I'm really excited about. Do they, but, need, do they need a loan? Oh, <laughs> see, I could set you up. Um, but- I'll do it for friends and family. The, uh, the thing was like, my earliest memory that I can remember is being with my gay uncle, who I knew was gay. And you know, he was out at this point, obviously. And going to Crayola World. In and Pennsylvania. Yeah. Because first field trip, by the way, when I was in first grade. Love it. It's a good one. Because my parents adored him and he is part of our family. And my parents never raised me to think of anyone of any yeah, yeah. identity, race, whatever, as like to be treated differently. Everyone is to be treated the same. But totally because of the environment that I was in, in middle school and start of high school before I was in theater, I was extremely homophobic. I was like, gay people, gay people are disgusting. I'm While I had a gay homophobic. uncle that I loved. I'm so homophobic. You're still homophobic. We have a joke, my friend group has a joke that I'm the most homophobic homo <laughs> that they've ever met. We laugh and I would laugh at it too, but it, it is actually true. Like, I, And again, I think it, it stems from the I don't use this word lightly. Like it stems from the trauma that you, again, you can't erase 19 and a half year. I came out at 19 and a half between my, came out to my mom as bisexual because again, I didn't, I didn't have disingenuine relationships with all the women I dated, mm -hmm. but that was the box that you had to fit. Well, not to interrupt, but all of the kids that came out to me or all my friends at that school. Yeah. 
had a system where they would come out as bi, and I talk about this frequently, where you talk to the jocks and your friends, and you're like, yeah, guys, like, I'm bi. And they're like, we still fuck chicks, right? It's like, yeah, like, I still fuck chicks. Like, oh, and, and for whatever reason, they're like, oh, like, I'll look past the gay thing because you still, like, like, you still like women. It's just like a 50-50 thing. And then they would come out as gay, and it was almost like the jocks, this is a bad jock joke, but, like, the jocks, like, weren't intelligent enough to be like, oh, like, like it's not, it wasn't as jarring for them as like somebody coming out as gay to them. It was almost like, okay. And it was like a step removed. And then they were like, okay with it. Cause like their brains couldn't process it. Yeah, That's still a thing that happens me, at that school. Yeah. To, oh, listen, I think it happens in every place across America. Like I, again, like sometimes you just need people to push you in a lot of ways. Like I, I had to be pushed over the, the edge too. I mean, like, again, I, I, I used to picture my life in a lot of different ways, like married, high school cheerleader, white picket fence, two golden retrievers, three kids, two guys, a girl in the middle. Like that was my picture perfect life. Um, I hate kids. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Teaching high school boys. Hate kids, homophobic. Yeah. Hate women. Teaching high school boys. uh, (laughs) No, I'm kidding. made me hate kids no um but no in all seriousness like i think people you know my thing was like when when i did come out to the very few people that i trusted i think a lot of people took it as like oh god you're not into me right i was like the audacity (laughs) like right like the audacity first of all you are ugly as hell yeah second of all i couldn't say that i couldn't say that but no, like, I think people, like, it's just, like, an, again, not affected. They weren't affected. Like, now I think it's 2022, right? Gay marriage is legal, so we believe. Hopefully it stays yeah, that way. Yeah, hopefully yeah. when this episode airs, it's still... But anyway, like, I remember that day. That's another day that, like, you talk about timing. We talked about this. You take the bring things full circle. Like, I was in a cube. I had an internship in college at Ogilvy and Mather. My mother had gotten the internship for me. She'd set it up. She used to work for that company. And... I wasn't out, <laughs> wasn't out. And I remember one of the girls that was in the intern group, there was like a group of 16 of us, and four of us were in project management. And um, Claire comes over and she's like, gay marriage was just like made legal in America. And I was just like pretending to be like cool, like don't give a shit about that, what the fuck. She left the cube, we, you know, I went right to like Google. And the first link that came up because of SEO, which nobody knew about then, was CNN. They clicked it. CNN Live, you know, Ogrefell, the whole, everything's online. Now the call from Obama to is now being, you know, display, and the, the White House is lit up. And it was just something I still, at that moment, still wanted to deny. But a little small piece of me was like, okay, Good. I'm, I'm okay here. And I think like, I'm getting chills. It's like weird. I don't talk about this with people at all. I don't know why I'm doing this, but like I. It's because I bought you high noon. Yeah, maybe. I've only had yeah. Do you but, want another one, by the way? I'd love one. Yeah, but I I, I mean Ben, like it's 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 hard, man. I think people's life experience, again, sexual orientation aside, like you just never know somebody's story. And I think until you're willing to ask the question of what's your story. You're missing out. You're missing out on people, 
right? Like, again, we talked about this earlier. Like, we are meant to be in relationship with people. We're meant to be in relationship with ourselves. And the minute you deny a fact about yourself or something about you or what you love or what you hate or what you don't like and what you and who you care about and who you don't like, you're taking something away from not only yourself, but you're, 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 you're taking away something from other people. My relationship with your brothers has gotten oodles better. Because, Miles because better. Because you took that step. And then it has, they nothing to be, it has nothing to be. The, it has nothing. Let me be very clear. It has nothing to do with the fact that I'm gay and they accept it. Nothing. Nothing. It has everything to do with I allowed you in. It wasn't come close, but don't get too close. It was come close. There's I, there's no there's no stop gate here. Open book. Not open book, but they're like I'm inviting you in, and. I'm taking a risk by inviting you in. And until you prove to me that you're not willing to either accept the invitation or treat the invitation with respect and hear me, going back to the line earlier, like hear truly me. hear me, then I'm fine. And if people in their life take risks, right? Like life is about risk taking. Buying a house is a risk, right? Like I bought a house and I, I was making diddly squat let's put it that way and not enough that i could probably afford this house on my own without down payment assistance a grant program for teachers and knowing that i'm going to have income from two renters but i knew my situation i knew i was going to be there four or five years to get my degrees and i was out that was my plan i'm getting off topic but my point is i took a really big risk you're entering a 30 year <laughs> fixed interest rate environment that every first of the month, 15th of the month, that same amount is coming due no matter whether you have it or not. <laughs> right? Like people don't realize that. Like people don't realize that. Like it's not like, oh, like I'm going through hard times or like I just yeah, lost my job. Right, but the same oh, thing is, yeah, we'll pause it for you. The same thing is rent, right? Like rent yeah. is due. The landlord still has to pay their shit too. So like yeah. my point again, tangent not getting into that. But like yeah. the minute you give somebody the key that is the key that opens one box and it's yours. You, are you willing to pass out multiple keys? Are you willing to make copies and give it to a couple different people? When somebody hurts you, do you take that key back and they don't get it anymore? Like relate, and I used to use that metaphor a lot with my students about relationships, mainly because they were talking to me about girlfriends and whatnot. Yeah. But just any relationship. You, you as the human being has, have the opportunity to grant somebody the key that unlocks your box. And when you give somebody the key to unlock your box, what you really actually are giving somebody is not the person that you're giving the key to. You're giving the gift really to yourself because the minute you give somebody the trust to open your box, your world begins, your life starts. And that's where my philosophy about the journal of all the names that I felt deserved a conversation came from. Yeah. I believe that everybody deserved a key to my box. Which that was, part of my which box. Which was different than how you first believed it. Correct. Well, it's just like anything else, like any other risk, like you said. It's, it's challenging to put yourself in a position where um, even at this point, people could look at that and they could reject it but kind of like what you're saying whether they reject it or accept it the yeah. the bigger part is that you made the conscious effort to offer that key 
that's the part that's important. Obviously, you want them to accept you totally. and for you guys to become closer and all that great shit. But the more important part is that you were able to be somebody that offered that key. Not only does that help you, but that allows them to offer their key if they haven't done so yeah, already. Yeah, it's a classic line. Like what I, but my biggest takeaway from teaching ever, ever, and I, I, used to, I used to reach out to former teachers of mine that stuck out in my high school career that made my path and helped me. And, and we're one of those people that like, wink, wink, you're safe. And we actually, this will bring me back to that line that I said, let's come back to that. Yeah. yeah. I despised when somebody said I knew before you knew. Oh, I've always known. Go fuck yourself. It's disrespectful. I don't know that it's disrespectful. It's not. I can't say it's disrespectful to my experience. It could be disrespectful, but I don't for think me, that it's inaccurate. But it sucks. I I can imagine, as I've never heard it, yeah. I can imagine that it would absolutely suck to hear, and it would make me angry. I used to say it like this. I used to be like, I had genuine relationships. My l last ex girlfriend was the girl I was going to marry. Yeah. If you could get on that computer and generate somebody that you wanted to end up with in your life, that would have been what the computer spit out for me. I found it, except one small caveat. And the realization of that was a really big thing for me. And when somebody said to me, oh, you're like, when you're, when again, when I was in middle school and was belting out as a soprano in the choir because my prepubescent adolescent self hadn't <laughs> experienced life yet, it was tough for me because at the time I didn't know it then. You're six fucking great. Like I didn't, yeah. for my experience, I didn't know it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no, my eyes go to the women. And the, when you're walking down the hall, that's where my eyes went. And then something changed. I don't remember eighth grade, ninth grade. I went to private high school and like, whatever. And, but I used to be like, no, go the other way. No. And then it was like putting it in the file cabinet, shut it, putting it in the file. Oh, then there were too many files in the file cabinet. The file cabinet wouldn't shut. All right. Well, we're going to a new chapter of our life to go to college. So we'll get a bigger filing cabinet. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that I didn't go down the path that probably so many people have. And I, I don't I wanted to get to that point about what we were talking about. But I, I, I could have gone. I could have absolutely. I just turned to the priesthood for a while. I totally did. Do you think you discern the priesthood because you thought that that would be an avenue absolutely. away from. Without question. Yeah. Yeah. Without question. I don't want to get into it, but like that, that was absolutely. I do wonder how many people. Oh, it's, it makes me sick. Do that. Too because many. I can tell you that. Too it's, many. It's like we talked about earlier. It's that avoidance of being who you are because you are scared of the risk or you might not be accepted. This can't go online. I, I, I don't drink any other flavor. I only bought you two cherries, so <laughs> you're going to have to. Um, but I again, I want you to be able to talk about the um, I knew before you did. Um, I'm Do you want a different one? No, Do you I'm like joking, that one? I'm joking. I was just doing it. Aren't these um, good? These are like one my of my favorite. favorite. They're my favorite. They're my favorite. They're so good. Yeah, yeah. Another. I have another podcaster friend, uh, Adrian, who's been on the show. Uh huh. Uh, she has probably one of the most successful podcasts or uh, sex podcasts out there. She's she's sex amazing. Podcast. Yes, she's she's incredible. Like podcast about sex. Yes. Like the act. Yes. Wow, I, I don't know. <laughs> don't hey, listen. That. I will not don't go be, on. Don't be. I'm kidding. Obviously. <laughs> No, but she's great. And whenever we hang out, we will get a case like this of high noons and just like oh, hang out. Dude, and it's, just it's just a great vibe them. drink, but they're great. The, yeah, the, go ahead. The, the, the comment 
it struck me because knowing before I did was like an in, like the biggest insult to myself. Like I, it wasn't because I knew you were trying to hurt me by the comment, you, the, the general you. Yeah. It was, what did they see that I didn't? Like, <laughs> it's, did it make you feel stupid? I, I don't know. It's funny. I don't know that it made me feel stupid. Just not good. I laugh about this, right? Like every year, you talk about those traditions, right? Like we talked about like the seven fish on Christmas Eve. Anytime we got together with my mom's side of the family, we did recitals. We did shows. And who was the ringleader? Yours truly. <laughs> and if I played a video for you, like uh, when I was younger, I look at it now and I'm like, really, Michael? <laughs> you thought? Like, you, you, who were you fooling? Right? Like, I joke, but I I'm that. dead ass serious. Like, <laughs> I have to like send you the clip and maybe you can add it. I, I'm like, actually, I'll never let that be seen. But like, no, I want to see it. But I, I remember it. like and like, but then I was like, no, are you kidding? For me, it was like, you know, the, the stereotypical bullshit. The voice was higher. You know, you, 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 you like you were in theater, like you, you named one like theater. You like to shop. No, no, no. I used to use like everybody's like, oh, Michael's in chorus. Yeah, because I'm Michael's smart. He's in with the girls, like Michael's, in, and I was, by the way, sixth, well, seventh, yeah. eighth grade choir. I mean, listen, Clark. I I was in choir. I was in those theater. girls know who they are. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We honestly. used to we used to be able to skip a whole day of school and we'd go perform in tuxes at the girls' schools. Yeah, the guys because were, that was a and, societal thing. And the guys were like, they oh, still do it. Well, also the guys were like, oh, you're so gay. I'm like, I just spent all day with women. Yeah, but that worked for you. It didn't work for me. But anyway, <laughs> um, didn't stick. No, but I, I, you know, it's funny, like to get serious on the matter, like I, that going back to the whole didn't know, like you, you knew before I knew people, when people would say, and plenty of people did, you're my best friend. My best friend was like, I, I was in college and I called my best friend in the world. Um, and we don't talk as much as anymore, but he's my best friend in the entire world uh, for so many reasons. But um, I called him on FaceTime and uh he sat there with me. I think it was seven hours. Silence. There was nothing. Nothing was said. Nothing. And uh, he was in the laundry room. He skipped a class. We went through the night. I mean, I called him at one in the morning, 12 in the morning, seven in the morning came, eight in the morning. He had to go to, you know, he, he, he went to GW. So he had, he had to walk quite a few blocks to go to class. He's like, dude, I got to leave. I'm like, He's like, you know what? I'm not leaving. And I said it to him. I'll never forget it. And he was like, you're kidding me, right? That was what you had to tell me? That's what I waited. I thought you were going to tell me, like, Jesus Christ, you were like, you know, this, the Jesus Christ incarnate. You were. You had cancer. Yeah, you, you were, were going to die tomorrow. Like, you killed somebody. Like, that's what shot. And again, it was a, it sucked to hear that moment, too. And we joke about it. And he, he's a, he's. He apologized after he, like, he reacted that way. But obviously, like I never had any ill will about his reaction. But and I wouldn't have actually wanted it any other way, quite frankly. But that moment, he, I remember he was like, dude, it's, I, it made me realize like it was so insignificant to my greater relationship with him of my, at that point of my life, not eight years, seven years with him. And I wish I had taken that and parlayed it into everybody that I should have told or wanted to tell at that moment, but I couldn't. And again, I came out, I was, I, you know, I was dating at the time and I was like, I, you know, and then I broke up with who I was dating at the time. And I just like, I remember it vividly of like, just, just have the ball. 
It's just like, have the courage. Just why are you wasting time? Again, hindsight 2020, like I wish I had freaking been this person that I am five years ago, 10 years ago. I could have probably affected so many more people. But again, to go back, like you just never know the reach of people that you have because I mean, people reached out from the woodwork when I posted that two years, a year and a half ago. As did, as they did when I when I posted that sophomore year. Yeah, yeah. And but again, it was never for the clicks, the likes, the comments. The you know, I'm a cynical guy when it comes to like birthdays. Right? You know this about me. Like, yeah, my birthday's coming up. I hate gifts. Why do I hate gifts? I already have a gift picked out for you, by the like, way. What, like, but you, we talk about the de- the depth that we like, and this is what I love about my relationship with you, the depth that we can get to without even questioning. It's the idea that it's the story that we were talking about, about my name, like my name, Mike versus Michael. I've always told people I don't like gifts. I hate them. I don't like gifts. But I love giving gifts. I'm obsessed with it. I love giving somebody a gift. And I love doing it impromptu. And I think about it from the gift giving standpoint. What's the greatest gift about when you give a gift? You get something out of it, right? Is that what you mean? The reaction. Yeah. The joy on somebody's face or the disappointment, depending if you suck at giving gifts. But <laughs> like you, the gift, the gift is the reciprocity. So by not allowing people to give me a gift, I'm denying them being selfish. Exactly. Also, like and you, that is you are you're right. a great gift giver because I I won't uh, recant the whole thing because I don't want to embarrass you. But oh my god, I forgot about this gift. I, I know re- what you're talking about. I remember you, us having a conversation, and we don't talk that often. No, either. But I remember us having a conversation. You found out about an occasion that was happening. Mm-hmm. And you just took care of it. And I think it was at that moment that I was like, oh, like he, this is like kind of like another level of like, he genuinely like cares about the people that care about him. And in your yeah. own way, despite the aloofness or the, the gayness or whatever you want to call it. The elusiveness. No, I'm the not elusiveness. Aloof. Definitely not aloof. Um, despite that, it was like, I was like, oh, okay. There's, there's more there going on oh yeah the depth i think for me what i've always loved is i i'm deep i can say that like i know and i invite people to come to the depth not for me i invite them to go to the depth themselves i I try to get at least my role in my former job was to get kids to realize young adolescent males who are going to become adults that there is a depth to them that they need to understand and they need to tap to and they need to be able to grow personally and professionally and accept Yeah. yeah And again, in teaching, this was the other point from before that I didn't make. Society thinks that the teacher is the only person that can teach. And the greatest gift that teaching gave me was the complete opposite. I learned so much more from my students than I probably ever taught them. Mm. And I used to use a line when I was younger, like the way I used to live my life was I like was, I was always paranoid about who would come and attend my funeral that's how i used to live my life interesting okay like it was like one of the pillars for me i was like oh my god did i make an impact enough on that person that i'd show up that they'd show excuse me that they'd show up to my funeral because for me closure when somebody passes away is to literally show up 
The yeah. hardest thing for people is to show up, even when you're living. Like, just show up every day. You got your own shit to worry about. Yeah. And so for me, like, yeah, we've all had people that have died that are close to us. But, like, people that, like, maybe I interacted with once, I'll go to the funeral. Because I want to show up for the person that is grieving. Because I want somebody to show up for my mom or dad. If, if and when they pass in 30 years, 40 years. Well, it's when. Right. I mean, there is no con- if. Well, and that brings me to the, the you asked me to bring it. You asked me to bring a. Yeah, uh, let me see that, by the way. You asked me to bring a, uh, an item of value. And I think it, it, this was a gift. Funny. It's funny that we're at, it's like literally it's like we planned like this. this fucking <laughs> like dialogue and we planned this like we didn't we didn't discuss any of this, by the way. Um, this was a gift of mine. Um, it was given to me by a member of my family and. It was for my office um, when I got an office in this new role. And I've always I've always held very sacred the concept of time and the line I've tried to both instill in students of mine and just of people that see me as a mentor figure. And again, we're all some of the experiences and the past things we've heard and things of that nature. I feel like nobody had, at this point has an original thought. Um, you can't. Yeah, right. It but doesn't like, exist. But my point is, the greatest gift you can give somebody in your time here on Earth is time. Is your time? Because you can't get it back. There's no return policy for so the, one thing that's not renewable. There, it's the return policy that, like, I can't be like, well, this didn't go well, Ben. This, 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 these last couple, <laughs> you know, hours didn't go well for us. I like to return it. No, it, it's it's something you literally choose to give every single day. We choose to give eight hours at work or 12. We choose to get eight hours of sleep or two. We choose to spend time with certain people or not. And the greatest gift you can ever give another human being is exactly it. It's exactly what I mean. Like the greatest gift I feel like I could ever give somebody is my ear. Is your time. My time. Hearing them. My presence. Listening. Yep. And I know I sleep well at night because I don't sleep. I've never slept well, but I sleep well at night knowing that for the four years I was in that role at that high school, that's what I gave. I could have made plenty of mistakes, not taught the right things, whatever. But the greatest gift that I gave was time to my kids. Well, it's interesting, too, because you went from one job where you do that to that's what you do now. Correct you you genuinely help people and so like i was watching some of your videos this week which by the way shout out to uh to prune digital media who yes who does a fantastic Former job student. producing those definitely want to use him in the future for uh for some stuff um but like so you the other day we were talking about um what was it it was something about like criticism or like like tips and stuff like that and i was watching one of your videos yeah and i was like it like struck me because I do sales. And I was like, yeah. this video like feels salesy. Like I should tell him. And I I made a point to watch it again. And I was like, the reason why this feels salesy is because I'm looking at it from an outside perspective because that's what I do for social media. Is I, I have to look at it yeah, yeah. from a from a perspective where I'm not, I don't know the subject, whatever. And I realized that the reason why it felt salesy is because you are saying things authentically that you genuinely feel yeah. that salespeople use as tactics to make people think that they feel. 
you genuinely feel these things about helping people, getting people yeah. into homes, making sure that they're able to afford it and mm -hmm. teaching them that they're able to afford it when they might be renting or something like that. But you are legitimately in a position now where that is what you do. You give your time to help other people. Yes, there's money involved. Yes, there's yeah. whatever involved, but you are helping people in a way that's like one of the like biggest things that'll happen in their life is being able to own we both a home. Went, we both went to college, right? Yeah. Take a student loan out? No. Okay. Many people do, right? They yes. call us the, the, the millennials, they call us the debt generation. Yeah. I was, on a, I was on our podcast, my podcast the other day, and I had an originator come on and he goes, it's kind of backwards, right? I said, what do you mean? He goes, you have to jump through like 8,000 hoops to qualify for a mortgage loan. And I was like, yeah, of course, because that's my lens. I'm like, yeah, I know that I know the lenses. Why are you teaching me this? But for a student loan. But for a student loan, you don't they don't have bat an eye. They're like, no. Oh, you need 300 grand. <laughs> Here you go. And here's a free koozie with it. Right. Like, yep. And I laugh because the world is exactly that. If you don't choose to spend your time surrounding yourself with good knowledge, good intellect, good people around you, good, genuine, authentic uh, relationships, you, you, you're just gonna fall into the pit of like, oh yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll be that. The wealthy guy, the, the rich, sorry, the rich, I, I, was, I was on Instagram the other day, somebody commented something, it was a new account, I then clicked on his and I saw his, so now I follow, whatever, that's how we all figure out. Yeah. And something along the lines of, it was basically like a meme or whatever, but it, it was like the rich guy or gal writes a check for cash to buy a new car. The wealthy guy takes out a loan on the car, finances it, takes the money and puts it and makes sure it's working for him or her while he's paying that off at a comfortable payment for himself. That's the difference. I've gotten really big into like Shark Tank. I've always been, it's always been my favorite show and like Mark Cuban's podcast and whatever. And it's like- Love Shark Tank. Yeah, like why, <laughs> I've stolen a line from Shark Tank. All roads lead to Mr. Wonderful, but I'm not Mr. Wonderful, but <laughs> I've said that at work and there's branch managers of mine who are like, really Mr. Wonderful, that's what you're saying? I said, no, I'm not that self-conceited. I love that he's Mr. Wonderful, but he's like, genuinely like sometimes a bad person. Yeah, <laughs> like, listen, that's the whole point. Know, but that's the shtick. And, <laughs> and again, he's done a great job branding it, but like I literally laugh about like people, people, it's perception and reality, right? Like yeah. you, you've actually alluded to it on the podcast like at the very beginning of the jump here, like that I'm the successful guy. Well, what is success to you is probably very different than the thousands of people. But again, not to kiss your ass, you were somebody no, that, it. you were somebody that taught me that because I remember you came over for dinner one time yep. we and and this is so funny too because like we don't talk often but when we talk we always go deep you and yeah, I have never like had a normal conversation talking. yeah well whatever that is normal. yeah well right but like you know what I mean like we don't you and I don't like chit chat or like talk about the weather no I'm not a surface level guy and I know no. you are not either no yeah but you came over for dinner you're talking about work and like we we had a good conversation about something and then you left and I texted you and I was like, hey I remember man, like I really appreciate yeah. being able to talk to you because I feel like, you know, you're doing really well for yourself. You're managing a lot of people like you're very successful. You have a great job. Nice car, like whatever. And you were like, <laughs> nice car. Yeah, <laughs> I love that car. You were like, 
I don't have it all figured out. No. And he said, and and you said um, something along the lines of like, it's it like it's an outside perspective. It's almost like the grass is always greener. Yeah. And it's important to understand like things might be better in your situation mm -hmm. than you realize, but also when you look at other people who you think have it all figured out, they usually don't. And that was one of the moments where I was like, that and, was super insightful. You know, I, I love that you brought that up. When I was in college, I I was super involved. I, you know, I was an intern, I was a campus ministry intern. I wanted to be, help with enrollment and admissions and treat get people to want to come to Loyola University. Like, like ambassador, I was involved in all these things. I've always, when I would go on play dates when I was in like first grade, I'd spend time with the parents of my friend because the, I was always like, my grandfather always said like I was a seven year old caught inside of like an 18 year old body. I was the same way. So, right, I know this. So I literally, you say that, where was my head going with this? So you literally just said it for me. Like I remember you always had to show up. We talked about showing up. You yeah. had to dress the part. I wasn't there in college. I wasn't good in my head. I didn't like who I was. I didn't like what I was becoming. I, I was. You were participating. You weren't yourself. Exactly that line. And I would wear sweatpants and sweatshirt class and there was one day somebody called me out and they're like you're all right i'm like yeah why you're not dressed well oh do you have to be dressed well to show up but yes they called me out for the, for the truth i mean I, I i was annoyed because i was deflecting then but it was yeah you're right i, I don't want to show up today but it wasn't just today it was the next day and the day after that and, day and it was that. reflecting on what you were wearing that's how it was kind of showing itself, its ugly head, basically. And and then I'd skip class and um, it's like I'd, manifestations. of Yeah, how you it felt. was totally like projecting what I was dealing with and I was doing it unhealthy. Right. Dressing wasn't unhealthy, but it was coming out in different ways. And I laugh about what you just said, because it's true. Like I y you just people expect things of you. I talked that talked about that recently to somebody actually on my podcast about like you know, how do you manage being this high producing loan officer who makes six to seven figures a year? And when the client calls at 11 o'clock at night and you don't need that deal to make things meet anymore because you've got this robust book of business. How do you pick up? How do you pick up the phone? Instead of reading your daughter a bedtime story or being on vacation with your wife or being at a barbecue with your boys or, or like or what or being asleep. Sorry, 11, 11 o'clock at night, people sleep. Yeah. I don't, but people sleep. What time is it now? It's like <laughs> no, but like I laugh about that. I genuinely laugh about that. And the the balance, the work-life balance, the, the self-inflicted, I have to be here. I got to be this for somebody. I got to be on all the time. Teaching was that for me, right? Like, I mean, you can speak to your own experience when you were in high school, but like, what would you do if you saw a high school teacher of yours at a nose game drinking a beer? You'd make a fucking big deal of it because you were immature. It was weird. Yeah. Yes. Oh You're my like, God, my teacher has a life outside of school. You only exist in this Correct. building. Where are you? Bingo. I actually, um, Bingo. not to interrupt this beautiful no, no. tangent that you're going on. I ran into, um, shoot, I can't even say their name. Um, I will tell you after the show. I ran into a um, person that uh, taught at our high school who just got engaged to another person at our high school. Do you know who that is? I do. I ran into them in DC 
and I, we both, so I was coming out of the urinal. They were going into the oh, urinal. the best spot to, we, to, to, to meet somebody. Absolutely. We pass, we both slow turn and we're like, oh my God. But it was weird to me because I had never thought about them outside of that building. Of course not. To me, when I left that building, everyone stayed there. Everything stayed the same. <laughs> it's just a new cycle of kids. Everything's the same yep. because, you know, there's brothers there that are like 150 fucking years old that have been there for whatever. And it was weird to me. And then he's like, by the way, just got engaged to so and so. Yeah. And I'm like, her? Wait, but she's still there. Right. And he's like, well, maybe not. And like, I might I'm not there anymore. Yeah. Like, it was just it's weird because you God think about they these have people. a life outside of work. Right. And it's so hard for you to accept that. People, I don't even think it's like outside of work. The biggest thing, and like this is like one of my years where I'm trying to be really like blunt with myself and like why yeah. do you why do you actually feel that way? Because it's usually it has like a shitty like origin. And then I if I'm able to be like, why do you feel that way? And then I find the shitty origin, I'm like, that's bullshit. You're not a bullshit person. Let's get rid of that. And then like it, yeah. things are better. That's like something I've been doing this year. And I like did that for that situation. It's not that I like the like imagining like everything stayed the same when I left. It's that you can't have a life that doesn't involve something that relates to me. You yeah. have to be yeah. involved. And if we were involved at some point and I left, you can't leave because no. this is how I remembered you. You have to stay that way forever. And it's not about them still being at that place. It's about them still being in the place where I was and their relationship to me changed, but their relationship in terms of their life stayed the same. Correct. I have a very tough time with people from my past, like, like changing what they do Showing and like doing again. well. And like, I have to work on that because it's not right, but it's so ingrained in us because it's really hard to imagine people not involved with you anymore, moving on and doing well for themselves. It's the same thing with exes. Like totally. that's that's something a lot of people have trouble with is like exes. when their ex get with somebody new, you're like, what do you do immediately? You go and you look up that person and you immediately compare yourself to that person. And then you think back on that relationship and you're like, well, I probably treated them better or you know, I, I did them better or whatever. Like that's what most people go back to because it's all selfishness. And I think mm. this is like my, grand take and why like I'm I'm starting to become a more private person. I think we are leaning so much more into selfishness as like a culture in America than we ever have. And it genuinely scares me. It's not about taking care of the relationships that I'm in with my friends, my partner, my family, yeah. whatever, or work or like anything. It's what's best for me only in this situation. And so many people hurt other people like cheating, being shitty to their friends, not seeing their family, not yeah. talking to the like, I feel like people are getting so much more comfortable with that. And they're like, oh, well, this is just my journey. And <laughs> they use that as the excuse. There are legitimate reasons to not talk to people anymore. There are legitimate reasons to yeah. do certain things. But I feel like people are so quick to write off really horrible things now because it's, well, I was in a bad place or this is where I am. And I feel like yeah. We've just trended so deep into that that I'm like, I don't really recognize some of these people I thought I knew before. Well, and that's the danger of giving people keys, right? Like you don't yep. know that you want the key to that specific section of the of the bank, so to speak. It's you a know? lot easier to have one key. Yeah, I think that's part of the, 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 
the the art of relationship relationships aren't science right like again like i look at tiger woods right like tiger woods was the most loved hated and loved again man right within a few decades yeah yeah grew up in the spotlight i mean there's so many people you could like reference that aren't just like sports athletes whatever but like you think about that and again we're the sum of our experiences our relationships the people we hang you are who you hang out with i believe in that line you know if you hang out yeah. with bad people you're probably not a great guy you know if you 100 you hang out with good people that challenge your viewpoints and whatever you're probably a holistic thinker and you you know have a pretty good way about you i think tiger's a great example too like similar to what we were talking about with ellen like he can't have a bad day i remember talking to you yeah. when i was at um i was at that uh place in georgia and he was uh-huh. there yeah, yeah and um some people went up to him while he was doing an activity at the resort that we were at yeah and um they asked him for a picture and he responded i think like the worst that it was was like no like please don't bother me right now and i remember all of us like that day it was like the talk of the the place in Georgia where we were yeah, yeah. that I won't talk about. Um, all of us heard about it and everyone was talking about it. And they're like, he's such a douche and like all this stuff. And me included. I was like, I was at God, that. God, what a loser. At that moment, I was of that mindset different than what I said earlier, where it was like, look, like you're famous. Like that's part of the gig. Like, how are you complaining? No. But now I'm of the opinion. I'm like, he's on vacation. He's trying to relax. People are coming up and bothering him. And the worst thing that he said was, hey, like, I really just don't want to be bothered with it right now. Again, like, yeah, I mean, you're fixed. We fixate on most times all the wrong things. Drawn to the negative. Yeah. Back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, I think you literally, like, we literally, it's clickbait, really. It's like. I mean, you turn on any news station now, I don't care what political affiliation or what, I don't give a shit what it is. It's all the same, just different slants. It's just negative Nancy all the time. Like Everybody that doesn't believe what we believe is the worst. Yeah, and I think that's the part that, like, it's funny you talk about that. And I know usually a lot of our really colorful dialogue is about politics, and I hate, I, you know my position on politics. Oh, you're such a liberal. So I hate it, yeah. I hate it. <laughs> so not true. Um, I have always felt, I've never felt as drawn as I've been lately to wanting to get in, but knowing better not to. It's not worth it. Yeah. Like I just, like, I feel like I'd get eaten alive. I feel like I'd be so, I mean, everything's political. My old, the old job at at the high school that you attended, there's politics. Oh, my job now there's politics. It's just um, a different it's in politics. It's yeah. in everything we do. Um, and I, I don't know if that's going to change in our lifetime or not. I'm not positive. I don't know that I want to make a prediction because it wouldn't age well like your COVID take. But um, no, I'm kidding. I, I just I genuinely believe that, um, you know, that's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to get out of that rut of like when you're in the negative, like you you become negative. You spew negative. You you become. You are what you consume. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think media, social media specifically, 
is like the movement like you hear about it especially in my industry like oh it's like lead gen is where the industry is going the yeah. typical industry has always been realtor agent ben is going to do business with michael clark lender okay sure well no do you know that the first part of buying a house is not going on a tour of a home like i know you know like going and getting a showing do you know that i don't the first part Educate of buying me. a house yeah the first no and i don't want to again it's not the plug but like plug away please no no like the first part of buying a house is are you pre-approved for it like can you afford the house that the right. realtor is going to go show you because otherwise like, what's the point like you and i are both what like 27 i'm 27 going to be 28 you're 24 going to be 25 right January. so 28 and 25 i've bought a house you're about you, you know you've been talking about it yeah we both can't afford three million dollar homes no so what real estate agent is going to say hey pick up the phone from a ben call or a michael call and be like hey i'd like to see that three million dollar home they wouldn't because I'm not pre-approved for it. They'd, they'd ask, any good agent would be like, well, what are you pre-approved for? They wouldn't just show the freaking $3 million home. It's a waste no. of their time. I can't afford it. So th it's funny, like the consumer lately, AKA historically, has always been show me the sexy, which is show me the house. And then the agent says, well, you got to talk to my guy or my gal. That's my lender. Go figure out if we... We can do this house. It's changing a little bit. It's, and that's where you see my content. It's like, let's find out what you can afford. That way, when you do decide to make the call, you know, you're educated. You're positive. You yeah. know that, oh, you saw that $600,000 home on X, you know, X, X Ave. You know, you, you can afford it or you can't. So don't even bother. Our generation hates wasting time. Everything is right here right here fingertips i want to know something i google it hey siri i want to know something How, what i what am i pre-approved for okay let me let me plug it into an algorithm like there's the days of like getting together and being like ben talk to me about what you're trying to achieve what are you trying to do with your future what does it exist still yeah it does is does it, it the exist? mass majority no do you think it exists at the company that you're at now it's a combo and i'm part of the of the combo but the combo makes sense because the age demographic is different. You need both. The average age of a loan officer in America today. Do you know what it is? Take a guess. I watched your video on this last Tell week. Me. It's uh, isn't it like 46, 50 something? It's 50 something. Okay. Okay. What was it 10 years ago? So say it's, say it was, say it's 55 today. Yeah. What was it 10 years ago? It was like 40 something. It was right? 45. Yeah. So the industry got 10 years older, which means nobody got new got into the industry, which means the average got higher. Because in theory, if people like you and me got into the industry, the average should have either stayed the same or gotten better. Better by me meaning younger. Younger, right. Not better. Gotten younger. Well, people suck. Yeah, well, no, but like, so the, <laughs> the, the classic phrase of like old dogs, teaching old dogs new tricks. I got, we have at the company 75 loan originators that originate anywhere from one deal a year to 350 deals. Our top producer did $140 million last year, 350 units. That's crazy. They almost did a unit a day, which is insane to think oh about. God, I could never do that. Holy shit. And the, the, the 40th producer did 12 million. So we've got 40 plus producers that have done 12 million or more. That's that's our like our like one of those buzz phrases, right? That's insane. It's awesome. But 
this year we'll probably have like I think we're trending like 36, 33 to 36 people will hit 12 million or above, which is again incredible, which means again we're purchase money shop. My point in saying all that is everybody does it differently. What I love about my company, which I'm helpful, like I help in creating some policy for, is we don't ask you to do it one way. We don't stick the round peg into the square hole. If you're the round peg, we create a round hole. If you're the square peg, we create a square hole. We're not asking you to be something you're not. We're not saying to the $12 million producer, you must do 25 million to be here. And we're not saying to the $100 million producer, you, you, you can't do any more. I want you to achieve what you want to achieve and I want to give you the tools to be able to achieve it. That's my role. I don't originate. I, don't, I have no passion to do so. But that's also like that strategy is so much more successful than hard limits, yeah, I, fit yes our no. mold. Yes and no. I, I, I don't think there's a no there because I've been at companies where it's so much more, this is how it works. This is the company culture, which is ironic. Yeah. Fit this. And in doing so, they kill the culture and then nobody hits it because they're not, they don't feel like they have the freedom to be able to do that. I Maybe think, large companies. I think we're saying the same thing. What I'd argue and just name out loud is some people thrive in your in the environment you're describing and some people thrive in the environment I'm describing. Right. Like some people can't exist in my at our company. Some people just can't. They they need a micromanager. They need somebody to tell them this is the this is the pathway to doing this. But to your point, allowing them to do it the way that works best yep. for them, if they needed more management, you guys would afford that. Freedom within a framework is is our phrase. It's one of our pillar, core pillars. Free, I'm trying to give you the freedom within our framework. Yep. Color inside the lines, be compliant, be profitable. You do whatever the heck you what want. What I'm saying is you could go either way. Yep, if you, you want very little management, you could have that. If you're somebody that thrives on more of that micromanagement, you guys make that available. That's what I think works yeah. better. It's a hybrid model, right? I mean, it's like, it's the classic way of like, oh, everybody always used to go into the office. Who goes into the office anymore? Yeah. I mean, I do, because that's what works for me. And I, I go in an anomaly twice or three times a yeah, week. Yeah, I'm an yeah. anomaly, but I've got people in the, I've got people at the company that I work at now who before COVID came in every day, have not been in since COVID hit. That to me is mind boggling. It's a shift in any industry, especially commercial real estate. And it's a shift in company culture and ways that we will provide. In fact, my mother who's in HR and just you and me both being both in different jobs and whatever, my, my boss, the president of our company says to, to, that he's built this company over 19 years on, on the backbone of the word culture, people being in relationship with people. We're in a relationship driven business. He would kill me to say this phrase, but it's the truth and I, I have said it to him before. Companies had no choice but to provide a hybrid or work from home environment, not as a benefit, but as a standard. Yeah. Or you were or you were losing out on talent. The great res resignation. You're not going to get any good new people. You were going to lose the talent race of talent acquisition. Yep. If you didn't provide that. If you stood on the backbone of you must be in the office, you lose. 100% of the time. And yep. I think it's interesting to watch the shift that's happening. I think a lot I think the employee over the last 26 to 30 months 
have 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 had all of the leverage. Hundred percent. I think because you're seeing a shift. We. It's an interesting market too. Yeah. Because I know people that are looking for jobs and they've been looking for six months. They can't find it. I know people that have changed jobs three or four times within the past two years. Correct. And every new company, they get more benefits, they get higher pay and they're happier. And nobody gives a shit that they were only at their last company for three months. It's funny you say that because the, the, the industry has changed. And my mom and I talk about it. My mom's 55. I lied. She's 57, but she'd hate me if I said that. But um, she's been in this a long time. And she I mean, she's, she could tell you she's looked at thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of resumes in her day. That used to be one of the, the red flags of the jump around person. The millennials, yep. that's all they do. They climb the ladder that way. It's, oh, I went here. I, I, I served three months. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And that's how they get to the top. That is not me. I don't plan to leave. The, I never plan to leave the job I was in until my leg broke, <laughs> until COVID hit, and until yeah. I lost that individual. But I don't, I say it now, and you never live by like statements that you want to live by, but I would never, I will never leave PRMI unless I has to leave. I mean that. I'll never you love it that much. I do. It provides me what I need as a person, as a professional, as a human being. Yeah. I feel very similar to that. Companies need to do that for, company. for their employees or they retention will be a problem. Well, it's it's easy to see which companies value their employees in terms of benefits, how they work best and all this other stuff because their retention is high and their talent acquisition is very streamlined and if somebody doesn't fit that framework obviously they're gone but yeah. like not bad mouthing the last company i was at but it's not like that there was yeah, yeah. high turnover all the time it was you're fitting our framework um you know oh we value your input blah 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 and then it was like if you gave input that they disagreed on it's like hey like why are you making these statements against the company this will versus be a, the company that i'm at now yeah completely different Could not agree more this will be a hot take, and I'm gonna I'm trying to skate a line here, but no, let's get canceled. We haven't gotten canceled in well, a while. Well, I, I just I have too much respect for the opportunity that was given to me in my former role. But I think turnover. Now in the role that I'm in, right? I take care of business development, talent acquisition, human resources, production. I I mean Swiss Army knife in a lot of ways. You have a hat store. Yeah. So many hats. And I love it. Because no day's the same. And I and, and I'm grateful to I, I'm just lucky, really, to be honest with you. Right place, right time. But going backward, I think turnover is the biggest vulnerability to any organization. Why? If your organization is a revolving door, you will never be able to achieve what people, human beings thrive on, which is culture, stability. Again, that is a blanket statement. And I know there will people. There will be people in the comments that will say to you. No, in but that the, makes sense. People will say to me, oh, "Well, I, well, if I can get twenty thousand more dollars by you know negotiating a new role at a new place, okay, great." And then you do it again, and okay, now you're at your peak. Uh, whatever. If that's your prerogative, great. I like stability. I like climbing a ladder, proving myself. The you could use the word traditional again. I hate using these buzzwords, but like, my father was at a company for twenty-seven years. So he did it one way. My mom, she's popped around company yeah. to company. Not every three months. She spent, I think she, I think in my lifetime of 27 years, 28 years, she's been at 10. No, it's less than that. Six, seven, I'd argue. Let me think. 
without naming them. One, two, probably seven yeah. is my guess. And she met my dad at the company that he, they were both at, that he would say Really? That. Okay. Yeah, and, and my father said, listen, I have more upside here, so you go. Because you couldn't date at the time. You couldn't date in the workplace then. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, my mom yeah. was in HR. My, I, think my, I think the story goes, and I'm sure my mom and dad will watch this and they'll be like, nah, it's not the story. But it's good for TV. I'm pretty sure my mom <laughs> hired my dad. Well, she was an oh, HR. Oh, well, that's different. And then they started dating. But they weren't. It's not like she was his direct report. He was his, her direct report. He, she just was that's the talent true. acquisition. Yeah. She was brand new. He was a junior underwriter, and she was, you know, in HR. Anyway, it's relevant. They bumped into each other I, in the hallway. Their eyes met. No, they it's a better hands. story. I take my mom's side on this. My mom tells the story one way. My dad tells it another way, as everybody does. My mom says that my dad was trying, and my mom was not interested. A couple, you know, a couple days later, or whatever. A couple weeks later, or whatever. But turnover i genuinely believe will be the downfall to companies you look at companies in america that have succeeded they're built on the pillar of culture they're built and on people with people are like tenure there yeah like think about like name a company that you're like that's the company that like everybody wants to work for in america i have two that come to mind but it could be because that's what i like it's my world of like my passions and things like not that. me personally but like google okay one, and of, the, then, one of my two um it used to be WeWork. I'd say Peloton right now, although they had Apple. Apple. Yeah. To me, like a tech company, like for me, like when I was growing up, I was always like, I want to work for Disney, uh, Google, and then Apple came about. And I was like obsessed with like, the big boys. I don't even think what I'm wearing. The black. Black shirt with the jeans, you know, like I always, Steve Cook. The Keep Steve, talking. I'm, I got to look up something. The right Tim there. Cook, Steve Jobs um, look. But no, I, I joke around about that. But like. I actually think that like those companies are built on the pillars of good company culture. We treat our employees the right way and we don't want them to go anywhere else. We're willing to fork out the money now. They don't nickel and dime with salary negotiation. It's a matter of, hey, I'm interested in you. You can provide value here and I am going to do anything I can that you don't walk out this door at any point of your career, which then of course leads to what you said, which is tenure. To me, that's, and again, by the way, economics have to make sense. We don't run charities, we run businesses, right? I say this all the time in my in my realm. We're not running a charity. I don't want to keep somebody on board because I like them. I no, want to keep somebody suck, on board because they're you providing gotta go. Correct. I want to provide I want I want to provide a value to an employee and I want the employee to provide value to the company. But it it has to be it has to be both. Yes. And and not to like plug my company, but one of the things that I like about them other than the fact that they are unbelievably supportive of my show the consulting i do like yep. every they're just like love it like keep going like you help us out with us stuff um which the last company like secretly was not but like they pretended they were yeah. um but they um oh i can't talk about that i will i will generalize and i will say it does not matter if you are the top producer at the company if you do not feel the culture and you're not getting along with others and you are the problem, they will get rid of you. It I like that. You don't it. What do you mean? I like what you just said. You no, don't. I like, no, I'm, I like that. I'm saying I can't speak any more oh, specifically it, about it. it. But what I'm saying is like, yeah. there was a, there was a situation that was similar to that. And everyone was kind of like, wonder what's going to happen here. And they made the right call. And all of us yeah. were like, we and and for that reason and and many others i will be hopefully at this company unless asked to leave for 
years to come because yeah. it's examples like that where it's like we don't just care about the business I'll that's you, that has to be the most important thing for a business run but it also a, matters your culture and how you fit in i'll here. give you a line people over production yeah because we're both in sales driven environments people over production i don't give a rat's rear if you do 12 million 1.2 million or 120 million if you aren't a good person if you aren't others oriented, if you aren't client facing, if you aren't somebody who puts out a good brand for the company, you're not for me. You're not for us. I, it's funny, I, Dean, well, you can edit that out. No, I don't, you know, he wouldn't <laughs> mind. Dean and I, I mean, no, he's a we're, nice guy. we're a tandem duo in a lot of ways in a business development function. We go into meetings together and it's like, we know we're making a deal. I, we're not letting somebody walk out, the right person. But somebody yeah. wants to approach us and say, oh, well, I did $90 million last year. Like, okay, we don't need $90 million. They're, no. And they look at us and they're like, whoa, that's new. I want to be somebody that somebody says, I've never been told that before. I've never, yeah. I've never been told no. I've never said, nobody's ever looked at me and said, I don't want your 90 million. Well, I don't want your 90 million. If you don't fit here, if no. you're going to disrupt workflow and culture and- Are you selfish exactly. or do you work well with others? Yes, and again, I think the collaboration, the team environment, the hybrid, I think, I because again, I'll make a prediction for you. And again, you can't you talk about cancer culture. This may not last long. I genuinely believe that companies that will succeed far into the next generation will be a hybrid model. Yeah that will give the employee both flexibility to work both in the office and out, have a life inside and outside of work, and make sure that productivity is measured as opposed to what they choose to do with their time. It's, Just because an employee doesn't do 40 hours of work, yep. but they do 40 hours worth of work, like they didn't log 40 hours, but they did 40 hours worth of work. It's fine by me. I had kind of an epiphany over the past like year. Right. Um, because I was in a 100% virtual environment. And I that used you to- you did not like, right? I used to think that this was the best. And then I got two months in and I was like, I hate this. Yeah. Because you don't get to know your coworkers really like you should. Now, <laughs> We're not I say that- in the basement. Right, <laughs> Joe Biden. I'll, I say that, but <laughs> I feel so Christmas. bad for him. I, I genuinely, <laughs> I, don't, so I don't think I feel bad for anyone else that much that I do for him. Anyways, next um, skip, skip. No politics. Um, I thought Lincoln bio. <laughs> I... Always Lincoln bio. I thought that this was going to be great, and my mom. The job, you mean? Yes. Yeah. And my mom, the stoked about it. The ever wise person was like, "It's not really how like your dad and I did it, whatever." And like whenever they say that, I'm like, "I'm pretty wrong." I'm like, "Yeah, because first of all, you're full of shit and you're old." Like you're old and full of shit. Those Laura, are like the two worst are, things. Laura, you're not old. You're but just as hip as she's, the rest of them. She's the same age as your mom. Uh, she's yeah. 50, 56, 57. Yeah. Maybe. Anyways. Um, They're the same age. They'd be best friends, by the way. They've never met, but they'd be best friends. I don't want them to meet because I, I know, feel like they would, they'd be making trips back and forth every it's weekend. It's a dangerous place um, in the world. But I thought this job was going to be great in terms of the work from home stuff. And I end up hating it. Right. And... But I always thought like from that experience, I was like, oh, I can't work effectively at home. Like I get distracted, I'm on TikTok mm -hmm. all day, Instagram, whatever. But what I ended up realizing from this job is no, 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 I actually work better at home 
but I still need my office days to yeah. set myself up to do better at home. I agree. And I'm better at different things in different yeah. capacities. But if I was only in the office or if I was only um, at home, I would not do as well. I, so like, for example, I set myself up, a big part of my job is calls, right? I set myself up really well by going into the office a few days a week and finding people that I'm gonna make calls to. Yeah. But I don't do well making calls in front of people. It's like a weird, th like I have a podcast, like you would think I'm like good talking in front of people, but like when I'm in the, like, what do they call it? The bull's nest or whatever, yeah. whatever it's called. <clears throat> I don't do well calling in front of my coworkers. Huh? I, Cause I'm like, I know they're, self -conscious. I yeah, they're, they're, they're going to give me good criticism and like, that's good. And like, I'm very comfortable with all of them, but for whatever reason, it's like a disconnect. I always go in like the call booths. So when I'm at home and I can lean back in my, my nice comfy chair at my beautiful desk and have my computer open and I'm making calls like that, I'm so comfortable and I'm very casual. And the people on the other end feel that. And I legitimately set probably 80%, 80% of my revenue probably comes from the calls that I make at the house. The That's calls that I make from the office do not go it's as well. It's good to hear too, as somebody who like helps and dictates policy for whether people should be in or out of the office. I mean, I structure, right? Like we, again, we talk about the growing up environment. Like I grew up in a routine structure. My mom, <laughs> I love that woman. She used to, I went to a Catholic private co-ed high school and she would not let me change out of my uniform when I wasn't in sports season, which was just the winter, until my homework was completed. Interesting. It was that like dress well, test well environment. Mm. Like that was the philosophy. Like, Michael, don't undo your tie, keep it up, keep the top button buttoned, and do your homework. When the homework's finished, undo your stuff. I think that lasted for like 30 days. But my point is like she, the structure, people, some people thrive on the structure and some people thrive again. I think the workday nine to five does not exist no. anymore. No. There's no such thing as nine to five. No. Dolly Parton, you can take that song <laughs> and... Hey, careful. Which is She's sub, an icon. Subpar, by the way. Love her. No, Whoa! I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We should cancel you for that. No, I'm just, it's a joke. It's a hot take for people to just interact, comment. That was the coldest take I've ever heard. It's cold. I like Dolly. Um, not as much as Adele. For no, Sam Smith. Nobody. Nobody. Adele or over everybody. If you were in a room, fuck Mary Kill. Oh Sam no! Smith. <laughs> no. Sam Smith, Dolly Parton, and uh Adele. I'd kill Dolly. <laughs> Just right off the You didn't even think about I'd that. Marry Adele. You didn't even think about that. I'd marry Adele and I, I can't even say that on on, on air here about <laughs> Sam Smith because I I just it's not the thing. But he's a beautiful man. Yeah, listen, it is what it is. I, I like him for his music. I don't know about his whatever else, but um, where were we going with that? It, it derailed. Um, no, I think, the nine nine, I think the nine to five is over. It's broken. The nine to five is over. I remember when I was in high school, my mother said that like the company she was working for at the time was doing Thursday, Friday happy hours, which again, her in HR, she was like, nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. Alarm was going off like. Well, somebody would get right, like somebody would get drunk at a happy hour and then drive home from work and then God forbid it, now it's on the and or again, inappropriate comments negative but like the it was the negativity but like you know my father same thing my father would take us on I was so blessed I would I've traveled the country and the world from his rewards trips but we would go on a rewards trips and him as a manager he'd have I I can't tell you how many times he'd let somebody go 
because somebody showed up on a work function on company dine, got so screwed up on either alcohol or drugs. I didn't know what drugs were at the time. And they made a buffoon of themselves and they were fired, terminated immediately. That, I don't want to say it's it's the leeway is there, but like the world has evolved from that. Yeah. Like there's companies that don't have a drug policy anymore because they'd lose half their people on the, on the, on the smoking of marijuana. Like, again, obviously it's legalized in some states, but like when we were growing up, like marijuana was like the devil. At least that's what I grew up in. Like oh, yeah. weed and drugs were like saying out a drug. The dare officer would well, come even in. something like this, like, like even like 10, 15 years ago, maybe even like five years ago. Yes. Like I couldn't have a show like this and have a job. Absolutely Yeah, not. totally. Because they, yeah, I agree. I completely agree. And I think the personal brand outside of work is the toughest. Again, going back, I don't want to keep bringing up the teaching thing, but that was always a line. I, there, there was, there was friction there. It was, can I say that? Can I not? You're not being authentic, but you're preaching it. That's hypocritical. Like you couldn't bring your whole self. There's forget the gay thing. There were, there were straight teachers who couldn't bring their whole selves to work. Right there were there were plenty of p- colleagues of mine who couldn't be themselves at work because of the environment. Yeah, but it wasn't something that was like school, re- like the the, the the school related. Again, I'm not. It was it, it's education. Like again, like we all we've talked it. We talked about it earlier. Like you, I love what you said to me. I'll just paraphrase it to like it's a bubble. These people exist in a vacuum, and they don't exist. They don't have a word like. I remember a buddy of mine who you probably even had for English, like not the guy you were talking about earlier, but like we would go, we would, we would spend time together outside of work. What does his name begin with? You could say that. A D. All right. I'll think about it while you say this. And we would go to like an O's game. Well, actually, you want me to tell a story? I'll tell a story real quick. Yeah. I took him to a Ravens game. Opening day, they played the Cardinals that year that they they lost like four of the first five and then ended oh, up winning rough. out. Like, yeah. And they beat the Cardinals that day. We sat like in great seats that a f- former student's parents gave me. I could never have afforded these seats. Love that. what I was making. Yeah. I took him and two other teachers. It was the four of us, four teachers going to this game. And a bunch of students of mine who were, I think, juniors at the time came up to us and they were absolutely hammered. I hope they watch this because they'll know who they are. <laughs> and they're all Division One athletes now, of course. And that's how it works. I was like, "Are you guys kidding, Mister Clark? Mister Clark, like, do you want a beer with us?" Like, I was like, "Boys, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to walk away, and I'm gonna pretend like I never saw that of this. Didn't do it. Move on. Halftime comes, we go in, we're in the suite, obviously the suite section, so we've got private bathrooms, we go to those, they're like there too, they're in the suite across the way, whatever. Come into the bathroom, they're, they're wearing the brand of the shirt of the school they go to. That's where I got a problem, right? Like for me, like protect the brand, Everything right? up to that was not great, but doing that is across the line. Like you're, you're, you're making a fool of yourself and the badge that I wear at the time and the badge that like you is providing you the opportunity to go where you're about to go. And they obviously they also like the school that values that yeah. brand. And like to that degree, the alumni network is, oh, is fantastic. Just, but, but again, there's, there's 17, there's 16, 17. They're not supposed to understand it. They're just that. screwing up. Yeah. Oh. 
So they make fools of themselves during halftime. I'm like, how do you deal with this? And I'm with this guy and he's like, you know, he's like, let's just do it on Monday. Let's just keep having fun. But I remember consciously going to the game and like not drinking. You like, you're fearful to get photographed that like you're having a Bud Light, a tall, like a tall boy, Bud Light at the game. It's like, oh, look, this teacher's an alcoholic. Yeah, like, or whatever, because you're like, oh, they're gonna take a picture, they're sending it on Snapchat, and then you're like viral. Like, I, you never wanted to be that. And that was a reality that teachers dealt with. And we, I came in on Monday morning, I green slipped them all. Every single one of them, there's four of them. They came to my office and I, I put on a shtick. Like, I That's was, nicer than what you could have done. I was so mad. I said, boys, you know how much I care about the four of you. Because they were close kids to me. Yeah. I taught them all. They, I, I announced their sport. Like, you know. I looked them all in the eye. I, I remember they were sitting around the conference room table in my office and they were like, oh shit, he is pissed. And I never played that card with people because I saved it for like those months. Like, I hope you take away from here that I could ruin not I, you ruined it, but I yeah. could ru- I could choose to ruin your career here. Choices have consequences. And there were days where I would think about the way that I chose to deal with that and think that I did it diff- I should have done it differently. Like I taught them nothing by letting them off, which I didn't leave, let them off. But I decided no. to do it my way because of the rapport I had built with them. And the other teacher was obviously there too. And we decided that that was what we were gonna do because the lesson they'd learned from two people that genuinely cared about them versus your standard, like you're going to go to detention or get suspended or whatever. You're going to learn. Like, from I that. don't care. No, you're not going to learn from that. The only I'm thing just gonna become that the you bad do guy. is you, you build resent against that person mm-hmm. and it teaches you that they don't care. Mm-hmm. Bingo. And to me, again, we go back to impact and we go back to, I want to be in relationship. That was my job, my job, my t- job title. The first responsibility was to be in relationships with kids. That was my job. Every single one of them, all 1,200, I was supposed to have some sort of relationship with each of them. Not 1,200 deep, deep, deep relationships like no. I had with your two brothers. Because you didn't, we didn't overlap there. Yeah. But I needed. they all needed to know they were valued by me or the department that I ran. And again, like, again, I, I thought long and hard because it was a Sunday. Sunday night came. I was like, I, I could... You know, I'm just, I'm just going to send them to the dean. Like, whatever. They have to deal with it. The consequences of choices. And I teach, I, I'm in touch with all four of them now, today, still. And I think I still would be if I had chosen the detention route or whatever, or suspension or whatever they would have gotten. I don't remember the policy, but I needed to, I needed them to know, that I used that to know, I used that instance to show somebody that I cared way more than the choice that they made. Yeah. Because we are more than the choices that we make positive or negative and i think that's something that again to bring it all full circle is something that not many people value and maybe a step further i don't know that people are even aware like my choice to show up has an impact good or bad depending on the mood yeah or the people and your choice to not show up like has an impact if I didn't show up, it would you would have had the right to be like, what the fuck? Um, and I think ultimately there's a balance between being selfish and being selfless. I'd argue that you have to figure out a way to be selfishly selfless. That's an original thought, by the way. I used to say that all the time. 
Okay, we'll, we'll coin that for you. How do you figure out how to selfishly be what you need for yourself in order to be selfless for all the other people in your life? Because you can't- In that order, take, by the way. You cannot take care of others unless you take care of yourself first. Best line I you was ever given. You can't get caught up with that, but mm -hmm. you, yeah. No, it was the best line I ever was given. It was in therapy and I was in college. Uh, I won't name him. He's, he's the greatest, he's so great at his job. And uh, he said, Michael, you're burning the candle at both ends here. And I'm a metaphor guy. I'm, I'm image driven. I love poetry. So like that should make sense. And he knew that about me. He's like, Michael, like literally, how do you light? If we're two candles here, brand new spanking candles, how are we lighting them? You need a lighter. You need a lighter or a match or something or whatever. So one of us is going to need to have access to that. But what if we both don't? Well, then we're going to sit here with two unlit candles metaphor to that is if we're both unhealthy i can't help you and you can't help me but if I, mine is lit and i'm making sure that the flame is making it's not windy there's no bad weather there's no wind and there's no, none of that if you ask i can light because i i can share some of that and vice versa and if you're both lit then you can go and spread that someplace else and i think it's figuring out how to balance the flame it's got to stay lit it can be the dimmest, it can be the dimmest it's ever been ever, but it's still lit. Still lit. It could be out of wax, you could be at the end of the candle and you just gotta, you gotta replace. Add more to your life. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the parable of the mason jar for me. That, that stuck, it was, you talked about, again, at the top of the, the cast, we talked about moments. That I've talked about multiple moments in my life, the three of them. The fourth one, and there's probably only one more, but the fourth one for me was probably the first in chronological order was the parable of the mason jar by a college professor that gave that, you know, that gave it to me. And it's, you gotta, you know, have you heard it? I think so, maybe. You get a mason jar and the guy's talking to you about how you have all these things to be able to put into it. You gotta put the, the rocks into the, into the, the golf balls is, is, the, is the way the story goes, which again, of course, my ears perk up because I'm like golf. You put the golf balls in first. They're to represent the things that matter to you in your life. Your friends, your family, the things that you care about, all of it. The next, you put in pebbles, smaller pebbles, and they'll find their place in there. And those are the things like your job, you know, all the things that like are that second tier of thing to you. The third thing is the sand. It'll fill in all the remaining gaps. It's all the other stuff. It's important, but it's it's not. You could do without it. And a kid raises his hand in the class and he goes, well, what's the cup of coffee for? And the professor goes, well, the cup of coffee is to symbolize that you never don't have time for a cup of coffee with a friend. But the parable is if you put in the sand first in your mason jar, you can't put the pebbles in and the ball and the mm. golf balls. You have to fill your life with the things that matter the most to you first, foremost, hands down. And there's plenty of times in my life where I can say, no, I filled it with the sand first. So the pebbles didn't have any choice to get in and the golf balls certainly didn't fit. And if you fill it with sand, the pebbles will fit, but you're still not getting to the, the meat and the potatoes of the stuff that, can, that you matter. And so if you don't put the golf balls in every single day to the mason jar, the rest of your life is just sand. It's just monotony, silliness, things that don't really bring any joy and fulfillment and gratitude to your life.
And that was a moment to me where things clicked for me. I had to identify, again, metaphor, image. I had to identify what, the, what and who were the golf balls in my life. And those need to be put in my mason jar first, every day. And then the pebbles would come. And I did this activity on a retreat once. I changed the retreat program after you left. I, we did this, the parable of the mason jar. And kids would take theirs home. And I almost brought that, by the way, as my as your item. item. I was this close. But it's so sacred to me that I'm like, I don't want it to leave because I did it with colored sand and I didn't want to like transport it, put it in the bag. And then, yeah. And I'm like a perfectionist. So, but like, <laughs> it sits on my, on my, on my nightstand. As a reminder. Yeah. It's a mess. Like, as is life. Our lives are messes. They're beautiful messes. Like, so you could use any metaphor. It's a blank canvas and you can, it's a mess. But the mason jar that I built that day came home with me. And that symbolizes a lot of how I live my life. You've got to be able to put, and that's why I put golf at the top priority. Because golf isn't the sport that I love to play the most, which it is. But it reminds me every day of a four-hour vacation if you play 18 holes, two hours if you play nine, that I need to make sure that my life is in check. There's nothing better than me playing bad golf. I'm usually not in, in a healthy place. You And again, I'm not, it's, it's not a theory. It's like, if again, as, as somebody who loves golf, a scratch golfer, if I shoot 80, I'm probably unhealthy in my life. I'm thinking mm. about things. I'm not, per not present focused. on the golf course. I'm, I don't care. I have the ability, right? Like, again, I'm like a, I'm a scratch golfer. I should be shooting whatever the part on the golf course. Bryce tells me about your golfing abilities. Yeah, like I, I should be able to do it. And like this past weekend, like I played, I, I feel like I'm playing the best golf that I've ever played. You hear golfers say that all the time, like Bill Mickelson and Tiger and all these, you know, I'm, oh, I'm playing the best golf. When they're usually, when they're winning it, because they have their other part of their life in checks and balances. It's figured out, so now you can focus on it. Yeah. Golf's not my first and top priority. It's not a golf ball of mine. It's not. But it's a golf ball because I think about the golf balls in my life. Right. It when I'm it out together there. for you. Yeah. I discern about how's my relationship with my family? How's my relationship with my friends? Where am I in my work-life balance? How's my physical health? I like that a lot. Health? I think I need to make a jar. Yeah, I love that. And, and literally, the, the, the exercise was you would write, like you would literally use Sharpies right to on the, write what they yeah. were. My relationship with my dad, my relationship with my mom, or just family. Like, and every kid was given the opportunity to do it themselves. I don't want to tell you what's supposed to be in your jar. You, I don't, I can't live your life. I don't. How could I know what your stuff is? And yeah. then you'd share about it. Because to me, that was giving the key. This was all wrapped together. Wow. Look at that. We, I, the I basically tie back tonight, was right there. I basically tonight taught you. And, and explain to you how I used to run my retreat program. I feel like I just got free therapy. Well, you've provided me some free therapy. I didn't think I'd talk about a lot of the things I talked about tonight, but like, I literally believe that. I truly believe that in doing small, and again, what high school guy wanted to be like, oh, I'm gonna fill out a mason jar. None, but the metaphor spoke volumes. And if you can, and this is, this is, this is how I live my life. If you can speak to somebody's heart, you win. I hate that word win, but I don't want to speak to your brain ever. Your brain is logical. Well, you can control that. Yeah. My mother wrote on my whiteboard when I was a young kid, sixth grade maybe, in my bedroom. It still hangs there today. 
She sent me a picture of it the other day. It, the, it probably is non, non-erasable at this point because it's been there that long. She wrote three words. Follow, your, and she drew a heart in red. I wish I had listened to her at sixth grade. I do. Because Things would have been different. Well, yes, right? But deeper than that, I genuinely believe you can't control the thing that beats inside of you. That was how I, that's how I learned to accept who I was. I didn't ask for this thing inside. There were days, trust me, where I wanted to literally it. have open heart surgery thinking that, that it, things would change. You cannot control what your heart beats for. And you most certainly cannot control who it beats for. Yeah. And so for me, when I was like, oh, if that's who I love, that's who I love. If that's what I love doing, then that's what I love. I can't. You can control up here. Oh, I don't want to think about that. Sure, they pop in your head. Crazy thoughts, whatever. You can control that. I genuinely believe that if you follow your heart every single day, it can't lead you wrong. Now, do I do it every day? No. <laughs> I don't. It's hard. It's heart. Yeah. I used to say this to my students on retreat. It's heart. It's heart work. Heart work. Not hard work. It's heart work. The hardest work you can ever do is the work of your heart. I love that. And if you devote time every day, which I try to do through journaling, which I don't do every day. I try to. Yourself. You're developing yourself. I like that a lot. God, thank God you're recording because that would have been a moment where the guys would have been like... <laughs> God, you should write that down. I would have been like, what did I just say? I think that's what? a great place to What did I just it. say? I like that. I like that. We're going to end on that. Out. Well, whatever. You're the, you're the leader. I'm just the follower. Stop tying it back so well, man. You should be a comedian. <laughs> uh, where can people find your stuff? They don't need to find me. Um, no, I... They should find you. I'm on... Uh, we're on Instagram at ClarkMichael94. Terrible name. It's, you know, we're on... We're going to um, fix that. Yeah, we should. We're on TikTok at leverage underscore your underscore life. Leverage your life. Okay. Um, the goal behind that is to, to be able to take what you have and just be able to leverage it. It doesn't have to necessarily be with home buying, but yeah, you know, we don't, again, we don't talk about it up there. And uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook, but you know, just under my name, I used to, I had to change my name when I went to that school, but to um, my middle name, Michael James. Now I'm Michael Clark again. But yeah, no, my two like public forums are. What about are, the podcast? The podcast is not out yet. I know that. Yeah. I'm saying let's. Yeah, it's going to probably be. The goal is to launch it on all the platforms that you would typically find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, when? Spotify. I'd like to have 10 episodes ready to go. We're at, uh, we've, we filmed six, seven, and eight this Friday. Um, okay. This yeah. episode's coming out in October. They're, right. they're yeah. watching or listening right now no, totally. in October. Yeah, totally. So uh, they'll it'll definitely be out by then. And, and there will be a link in, on the TikTok and Instagram for sure on where Perfect. to get it. Yeah, for sure. Cool. It doesn't exist yet, so I can't tell you where it exists because it doesn't. So. <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that's where you can find me. Check I'm the easy show to notes find. There. Yeah. I'm easy to find. They yeah. just have to call you. That's true. Direct line. Give me a call. Yeah. I'm My here. cell phone number is four. <laughs> no, no, mine is, uh, I can't tell you. No, it, it, it. listen, it wouldn't be hard to find my number. Jersey yeah. sales call number. 862 is what it starts for. You figure out the rest. I have it. I don't need no, to figure know. it out. So. But yeah, that's where you can find me. No, I love this. Guys, uh, if you want to listen or watch some episodes of season five, this is episode two. We're very excited about this season. We have some cool stuff coming up that I can't talk about yet because we are way in the future in terms of when this is being recorded. But 
As always, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can check us out there. Check us out at the website, totspodcast.com. Instagram is the best place to go. Also, TikTok. Those are going to be at totscast. And we'll see you next month. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Appreciate you.